We the bestest cast with the left twist. Not fairly well dressed. Put me on the guest list. The guest list. Huh. Yeah, on the guest list. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another week of On the Guest List with Fox Trotting the Get Down, White Sox Dave, and Kenny Carkeet. With you from the band, as always, is your boy Colin. We have the cowboy, Mr. David Williams. Dave, how are we, buddy? We're good. How are you guys doing? We're great, dude. Obviously, Dave, Dave's been complaining because he chugged a burrito right before he came on. Yeah, I. Uh, well, you kind of just spoiled my off the guest list. It was going <laughs> to be having diarrhea. Um, I haven't had any yet. But I can feel it coming soon. And I eat Mexican food like three or four times a week. I fucking love Mexican food. And deep throating burritos. Just don't even fucking close your mouth. Just like shove it. Yeah, like yeah, a yeah, snake, yeah. basically. You're basically just unhinging yeah, your exactly. And I'm sorry about I your butt, dude. I'm not feeling hot right now. I should not be used to this good. diarrhea by now. Yeah, I was gonna We're going to power it. through it, though. We're going to power through it. If you don't hear Dave for a while, we know what's going on. Uh, we have Kenny Carkeet as always. Kenny, how are we, buddy? Best I've ever been, man. Never been better in my entire life. Every goddamn week. Kenny is reliable. Uh, and then we also have, as a special guest this week, uh, our friend, the podcast guardian angel, Mr. Rob Ficara. Rob, how are you today, buddy? What's going on, guys? How you doing? Thanks for having me. You're welcome. That was, dude, more soft-spoken than I've ever heard you ever. <laughs> That's fine. Don't worry about it. It'll get so weird we'll- later. We'll explain who Rob is. Rob is a front-of-the-house tech. He's a tour manager, and he's actually just become a friend of the podcast. He's helped us book a lot of bands, and uh, we wanted to bring Rob on. It was Dave's idea, but we want to kind of have a segment with some crew guys throughout throughout the episodes, kind of show them where the bodies are buried for the bands that they've been on tour with. So uh, Rob's going to spill some tea later. Should be a good time. Can we point out Dave's fucking rad dog right next Uh, to him? What's up, Ace? Yeah, he's, I didn't know you guys could see him. Yeah, he's just hanging. He's good. He's not a ghost. Good hanging. Guest, guest, um, guest. He's like for, so I am slightly hungover today. Um, I was out pretty late last night, but he's been a good dog today. He hasn't been a pain in the ass. And as I say that, he's probably going to start barking and like asking me to play with him and shit. So probably. Yeah, my, my dog, my wife gets terrible hangovers and our dog Vinny literally watches over her when she's hungover. That's like the she, worst. He well, stares at me and no, I'm like, dude, he's, go it, fucking do something. He's the opposite. He will literally just sit there and like protect. He doesn't do anything. He just knows Dana's banged up. So he just like stands there and watches over. So uh, we have a lot to talk about this week. We have a lot to get into. We have an amazing interview with David Shaw from The Revivalist. He's dropping his solo debut album on May 7th. Great talk. Very big Matthew McConaughey energy coming your way later in the interview. Uh, but before we get into that, I have a couple things I want to go over. First off, something in the podcast community for us happened this weekend. Mark Robert from the band OAR, a former guest of the podcast, probably will be back on soon, sent Dave a fucking guitar. Dave, let's talk about this. Dude, uh, well, I, I planned on asking you this on the show. So how did this come to be? Because I feel I felt so guilty accepting that guitar like. I don't deserve that, man. It's the nicest thing anybody's ever done for me. Like, I, I've, I'm having a real hard time coming up with, like, a nicer gesture that anybody's ever done for me. And I know he's, he's a, like, world-famous rock star. It's, like, he's probably got a billion of these things laying around. But, it, like, what a fucking nice guy. Well, I want to say this to start off. We have me and Kenny who both have numerous, numerous guitars, and neither of us thought to send Dave anything even though we're working with I wouldn't have taken it from you guys, though. Like, I, like, I, I don't know how it works, like... I feel like that's taking someone's like baseball myth. Like that's near and dear to you, you know? 
It, de- it depends on the mid. <laughs> exactly. It depends on which guitar it is. I would send you this Taylor I have sitting over here, but like if you asked me for one of my strats or like my main writing acoustic, my tack, I wouldn't send it. Yeah, no, I, I need that. That's a, that's what I do. But yeah, yeah. So what happened was we've been talking to a few different guitar companies about getting involved with what we're doing. And, and uh, me and Mark, because Mark's just a great guy, we've been going back and forth with his connections. Uh, he works with Fender and Taylor. And uh, just out of the blue, he randomly just DM'd us on Instagram and just said, hey, what's Dave's address? I want to send him a guitar. And I was like, oh, cool. So I assume Fender or Gibson or Taylor is sending him one that, uh, that Mark finessed. And all of a sudden, I just went, wait, is this is this an OAR guitar? He goes, yeah, it's one that I play live, but I don't need it right now, so I'm just going to send it to Dave. And I was, I almost hit him back with, are you sure about that? And he was, he was like, no, seriously, like just give me his address. So I texted Dave, and I was like, Dave, what's your address? Mark Roberge wants to send you a guitar. Literally, like 48 hours later, he hits me back and he's like, "It should be here tonight." And I was like, "What the fuck?" So- yeah, it was there. Like, when from when you sent me the text asking for my address, it was there two days later. Well, all this tells me is that this has to really happen now. The the oh, video yeah, yeah. Se- the video series and this whole thing has been kind of a pipe dream at this point. But now it's to the point where it's out in the public sphere. We got hundreds of likes and fucking retweets on Twitter. Like this is knowledge now. So Dave, you now have a responsibility. I, I would feel like a fucking dickhead if I didn't know. How and to you're going to go up and play with fucking Duddy and Rome. That's true. We've Duddy already, Rome. That. we've already given, uh, and David Shaw, by the way, I'm going to foreshadow here was more gung ho than any guest that we've had thus far about Dave being a part. He was like, Dave, we're going to do this. And it's going to be your coming out party. And it's going to be this and this. And I was like, Damn, Dave, you you got this shit, bro. You have to do this now. So congratulations to Dave for mounting pressure on a beautiful new instrument. Shouts out to Taylor Guitars for making quality guitars. It's a beautiful fucking guitar. It is it a is. beautiful. And the guitar I bought last, it was last January. It was uh, kind of like a New Year's gift to myself. I, I, it was, I, it was, so it gets dark at like 4 p.m. in the winter, obviously. And I remember I was sitting on the couch and I'm like, I wonder where there's a guitar center around here. I'm going to go buy a guitar. And within 30 minutes, I had that shitty Fender Squire. That yeah, it's a it's a Squire Bullet. It's a, it's a it's one of my it was one of my, my first guitar. Was it your first guitar? That's I had they, the Strat that's Pack. What, what color? I think that's what they called it. Yeah, mine was all white. Came with the amp in the case. Yeah. Yeah. and I was 10. I think it was my 10th birthday. I got that. Dude, my first guitar. Well, my, this is actually a backstory on how I even got fucking started. My dad was a musician, but stopped playing before I was born. And one day, I was like eight, and I was in the crawl space of my house. And in the crawl space is this beautiful strat case. And I pulled it out and I was like, the hell is this? A beautiful Clapton, like blacky strat in there. And I like went to my dad and I was like, what the fuck is this? He goes, yeah, I, I, I play. And he's like, you want to learn? That's how I learned. But the first guitar I ever got was a navy blue Squire bullet. And I beat the shit out of it for like five years. So there's not a single person in my entire family that knows how to play any instrument or any musical note. And oh, my whole family is like, I don't know where the fuck you got it from. Nobody really? plays music in my family. Yeah. Yosh, you don't have like a distant uncle? Like, no, like not a single person. Never. That was the That's fire. how my was family the first is too. Dude, my, I played my... piano for like four years when I was like 10 to 14 because my dad made me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of hated it. And I, I, I liked it and I was actually pretty good at it. I can still play it a little bit, but like... At that age, it wasn't you, – you wanted to be the cool kid, you know? Yeah. And you were worried about what everybody thought of you. And, well, like, yeah, I that's was what happened to me. It's like, oh, you can't play piano if you're a fucking athlete. Dude, I was – I was, well, yeah, I was a baseball player, and I was like a shadow musician for my entire high school mm-hmm. years. I never did it in front of anybody. Nobody knew about it. I just played every day, like, and then I went to college. Like, going into college, I was like, I really, really, really love music. My, I, I told this story before, but my, my best friend Sean didn't know I played. 
and I put up something on Facebook or YouTube or something like that. And he texted me, he went, yo, since what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> complete, <laughs> complete opposite, dude. I was force fed piano once I was like four and I fell in love with it. And then this is where everybody says my, um, my yearning for attention comes from because I played in church from when I was like 10 until I was like 15. And so they're like, that's where you wanted to be on fucking stage. So you're at church playing your shit. And then like, like Dave was saying, chicks don't like the piano. So mm. I got a guitar Facts. and then I became a teenager and I got pissed off. So I got drums and then just fucking kind of. It was one of those things where if you came to my house, there was guitars everywhere. It was all, it was all about it, but it was like, literally like I was never the guy to like talent shows and shit. There's a, a great story from my high school where it was just like in Northeast Philly, it's it's really like, oh, you try it things, pussy. Like, what are you trying to prove? Like, it's that kind of a thing. And this poor girl goes up on stage in front of 2,000 assholes in uniforms at a Catholic high school. And she's like, um, I'm going to sing this song. And it's called uh, Release the Pain. And you just hear some dickhead sitting next to me go, release the pain. And the whole crowd just starts like <laughs> laughing and booing. This poor girl. Like, I don't know if she ever got back on stage again. But like, that was like my experience. But like, when I went to college, I was like, Let's do this shit. Shouts out Westchester University. Before we move forward, Rob, do you play any instruments? Yeah, I play drums. And actually, my mom and my grandmother both played drums growing up. So my mom's sticks were lying around the house as I was That's a kid. Tight. And I just used to beat on shit. That's so and what's tight. it like four like fourth grade, I think, is when you get to pick an instrument and I came home and I picked the trumpet. My mom was like, What the fuck? <laughs> what are you doing? Are well, you doing? Off, like, are I want to start banging the trumpet on shit. It <laughs> Rob, literally you... lasted like three months and then she was like, Finally, go get a snare drum, let's go learn some stupid rudiments, then I'll buy you a kit. I gotta be honest though, you look with that beard, you look like a bass player in a new metal band. Dude, I lost all the <laughs> hair on the top of my head and I had to do something. It Who's... migrated. <laughs> Yeah, well, yo, you got a great beard. See, but you got a great beard. Honestly, though, when you do that, you look like the bass player from System of a Down. Dude, like, you, you when you lose your hair at tw at uh, 26 years old, and it's just like you're holding on to nothing. My wife, and thank God she is my wife now, she was like, dude, just <laughs> shave it. You will look so much cleaner. And I was hey, like, if I shave great. this, I you were stuck with me. Like, nobody's going to want me. I'm not going back. See, but that's like a sign of, that God exists because God took it away the top of the head and gave you this glorious mane of a beard. Thank I God. have no facial hair. Yeah, look at those luscious locks. Well, no, I I look like an accountant, but I play music. That's the way this shit goes. So I'm Asian, bro. I don't grow hair very well either. Yeah, but you fine. have great hair. You yeah. you just don't have any facial. I have nothing. Hair. I have blank chest, no hair. That's a yeah. is that a is that a thing? Is that like an Asian thing? Like you guys can't grow. Beers? I think so. I think so. Yeah. Mm, I think you just made that up. Maybe. <laughs> I, I, may, I may I may have, but I am Asian. So even if I made it up, it's probably right. I will say this. I've never seen an Asian guy with a beard before. I can't think of it. Like, see what thinking, I'm saying? Do you see what I'm saying? about it, I don't know that I have ever Do seen you see what Asian I'm saying? Wow. Kenny I think just, you're onto something, Kenny. Kenny just unlocked like a fucking, like a glitch in the matrix. That's crazy. Makes me aerodynamic when I fight. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's, let's talk about what we're going to talk about before we go into segments. Let's talk about what we're going to talk about. I, talk, I, talk, I texted the guys about this earlier, but uh, I've recently gone back to driving my own car. My car was in the shop for a while. I drive a Jeep. Not to be cool or anything like that. it's not a cool jeep but uh Are you a jeep guy no fuck no dude it's a okay, patriot good. it's, it's okay, not good. even okay, i good. can't take the doors off not just an suv okay, it's so it's a patriot got it it's a pay it's so is it gray it's yeah it's gun steel gray of course it is why are all, they always gray they're always gray by the way the worst car ever made if you ever want to buy one don't ever fucking buy one they suck um but the, the aux doesn't work anymore my bluetooth is out of date or something like that and it won't so i'm listening to the radio and I just want to say this. I'm not talking about AAA radio. Shouts out to 88.5 XPN in Philadelphia. Shouts out, you know, KEXP. Shouts out WFUV in New York. The people who are playing some cool shit. I'm talking about commercial radio right now. What the fuck are we doing, guys? 
I have no idea what's going on. I don't know if we are stuck in because of the pandemic, just the most boring bullshit ever coming out. Or maybe this has always been like this and I just have a clear head now. But I want to tell you my experience. I heard somebody mention the fact that Machine Gun Kelly put out the most exciting rock album of the year last year. I almost swerved off the road. I've been very vocal about this. Fuck that bullshit. No, no offense to Machine Gun Kelly, but I think I can see what's going on with this entire album. Kenny, obviously, me and you have talked about this, but yeah, I mean, major offense to to Machine Gun Kelly, honestly, <laughs> like for putting that kind of bullshit out with your pink guitar and your pink overall. I just feel like, man, it's so hard to find genuine, honest artists who are just themselves, just mm. being themselves, not trying to be this thing, not trying to be on this next record. I'm going to do this on this. Next. Like nobody just wants to be them fucking selves. And it's driving me nuts. Machine Gun Kelly included. I came across one and this is something I'll get into later. Brittany Howard from from the, the originally from uh, fucking Shakes. Alabama Shakes. Yeah. That record she put out this year. That is a human being who is just herself. And we'll get into that right. later. But so we got the Machine Gun Kelly thing. Fuck me. Right. I then turn on the hip hop station, which of course I want to go to. Everything sounded exactly like. I also heard the song What's Poppin' by Jack Harlow on four different stations. What the fuck? Man, I feel like it it com- man, it comes in waves. It's it does. like it's like once every four or five years, you'll get a solid year and a half, two years of like epic fucking groundbreaking music and new bands and tours and rad shit. And then the following three to four, four years, it's just like eh. You know, yeah. at best, eh? like I have a theory fuck. as to why all this is happening. And of course, I'm going to lead it back to the pandemic. But I think right now, record labels, because of the margins that they're working on, are putting out the safest thing humanly yeah. possible. Whatever tests the highest, whatever is the most viral on TikTok, whatever they think will get the most ears at a given time. And course, it's just it's, it's just business. wash, rinse, repeat, bro. It's business. Right now is more business than ever because they've never been working at such a deficit because they're not eating the money of these 360 deal artists and fucking taking their tour and their merch. You know, and, but there is, it's, it's, it's such a fucking weird wash because it's like with people able to record at home in their closets, right? We have an onslaught of new music. Like we've talked about before, there's artists on Spotify who have hundreds of millions of plays that nobody's ever fucking heard of before. Like nobody in our circle. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's almost like it's, it's there because I can still find, if I go and I look and I search, I can still find some pretty rad new fucking shit that I've never heard of before, right? But it's just like, what's pushed in your face? The playlist game. Hey, so-and-so, can I suck both your dicks for the next three (laughs) hours so that I can get my shit at the bottom of your playlist? Like, it's it's, it went from radio play to playlist placement. And, you know, it's the same. It's just the same shit. It's like, if I hear the fucking Foo Fighters or the Smashing Pumpkins, shout out to both of them, one more time, I'm going to fucking lose my mind. Can I please not hear Red Hot Chili Peppers anymore? Please. I mean, dude, I was listening to the alternative station today, and all of a sudden, Without Me by Eminem came on. Why is that on? Why is that on the alternative station? Also, I just want to say, too, even more confusing is the fact that right now, alternative stations, I noticed recently they started playing Colors by Black Pumas and Kyoto by Phoebe Bridgers, songs that triple a radio has been pushing for like two years now and it's like okay now that they've proven themselves we can put them over here on the commercial side it's so weird i don't know i've heard that they're going to centralize like so you know you know how the way the radio has always worked is that you have stations in every single city and that station has their own djs who play for the most part what they want or a program director there decides what to play now you got iHeartRadio. And iHeartMedia, conglomerate, massive, owning 800 stations across the country, did a mass exodus a year ago, almost 1,000 people, right? Fired some of our favorite, Wendy Rollins, like all these different people, right? And and they're going to a centralized playlisting thing where, like, 
one set of songs gets played to all 800 stations. And so there's no more like, it's just why it's, ah, it's becoming so generic. It's so fucking, you know, it, there are, there are DJs who will put their neck on the line for music like Wendy, yeah. like Jesse and Philly. Shout you know, Jesse. Right. So like there are, and I love them so much because they're fans of music, but it's just yeah. unfortunate that like, you know, we always, when you, when you have the overarching corporation that's staring down at you, you really don't have that much leeway, which is why I said the AAA radio is so important because that's still, it's non-com it's non-commercial. They play what they want. But at the same time, they don't have the same reach. So it's kind of this thing to where, like, what's going on in commercial radio right now? Because, I, like, I mean, even, like, uh, country music. I, I do like country, and I was listening the other day. And after 5 p.m. in Philadelphia, one of the biggest markets in the country, it goes to a national show. So literally, like, you have, like, eight hours of local programming, and the rest of it is all conglomerate bullshit after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Dave, from your perspective, do you listen to the radio? I haven't listened to the radio in eight years i couldn't tell you i mean i have a bluetooth in my car and i've had that car for three years prior to that i didn't have a car for a few years prior to that you lived in your car for a few years well the car was so (laughs) shitty i couldn't have even lived in it. i would have rather lived under a fucking train track somewhere uh it was like a 2003 infinity that was at the time like a new car would have been really nice but the radio was just so bad that i didn't even use it you could only use am radio basically so i haven't like actively listen to radio in so long because I have the ability to listen to what I want to when I want to. So that's the thing. It's like, how long do any of us really think terrestrial radio? It's dying, man. I mean, that's like our media. But I will say though, people want to hear that shit though. I will say you see so many people and I I always talk about my market, but in my market that are passionate and they're pissed about what's going on because there still are people that fucking like the radio they like there the- are but there are still people who watch live tv instead of streaming on demand right it's just like i feel like at some point the further we continue right it's like it's i do be all en- on demand i enjoy this is why i love having dave here because me and kenny have the same perspective and then dave's the control group dave, dave's the one who we were to yeah. put him into a fucking you know they want to hear his opinion on uh in focus groups they want to know like what does dave from chicago think now rob you're a fucking music guy what do you think do you listen to the radio I mean, not much. When I lived in Hawaii, I listened to it was nonstop. It's reggae radio. It's different. It's island stuff. So it's actually kind of sweet over there. But honestly, it gets repetitive with that stuff too. Mm. But it's like I no. I mean, I I fucking Spotify. Like it's not yeah. nothing. I wish I didn't. I really do, honestly. But and then, honest to God, though, my brother started buying me old, old punk cassettes because I had an O2 Toyota. And I was actually firing cassettes in my truck for a little That's while. Like and that. that was honestly kind of fun. It, I, it's to me like are we grasping at straws here? Is, is, is this something like we're watching an industry go down in flames and we really, you know, it, it's like, what can we do about it? But right now, I don't know if it's the pandemic. I don't know if it's money. I don't know what it is, but it just caught me off guard when I was driving and I was like, what am I listening to here? It's like Kenny said with the, it's a conglomerate. Everything they're t- iHeartRadio is taking over the whole thing. It's just yeah. one person yeah. it's like Google. It's like Amazon. It's like all of it. They're taking over one thing and they're like, fine, you guys can't survive. We're going to let you have a little bit of airtime, and then we're going to pay for the rest of it and keep you guys afloat so we can put our fucking shit out during rush hour. Mm-hmm. I will say this, too, though. Like, thank God for the DJs that are still around who are still working with unsigned or young artists like a Ted Stryker who does Out of Order. And every week to all those stations that he goes out to, puts his neck on the line and plays bands 
such as mine that needed that at the time. So I will say, like, there are still good people in radio, but I want to know from the top down, why are you shoving Machine Gun Kelly down my throat? Like, like what, why is that happening? Or, or like, why is... It's because he's on a major label and he has a $150,000 radio budget. And that's what a lot of the DJs want. They want to get taken out to dinner and get put up at a hotel. And they all want to fly to fucking Chicago to see this band put on a showcase and fucking blah, blah, blah. And wind, it's like, di- wind and dine. Why, exactly. And, and that's, that's half the radio industry. And the other half are the strikers and the cat corbett's and the jesse's and the wendy rollins you know and i, I just want to once again i i i drive this home but the, the good people in non-com radio who are completely outside the system on that side who are constantly breaking bands like a phoebe bridgers or a black pumas before the overarching like overlords come in and say like this is okay now we can make money off of this shouts out to the people who are still breaking artists and i fucking love that so i just want to give them a shout out but if anybody has any opinions fucking hit us up online we'll fucking talk about it on the show but i needed to say that because it was bugging me uh, it's important. It's it important. is important. Let's go into on the list, off the list. I'll start it out. Then we'll go Dave, Rob, then Kenny. Uh, my on the list this week is Game of Thrones. I want to go into this because I think it's time that we as a society forgive, or not forgive, just forget that the last season happened. The rest of that show is so ungodly good, and I've been like piecing through it, just picking episodes I remember that I loved. It is so good, and I'm not going to let the fact that it ended too quickly ruin the rest of the show for me because it is a fucking incredible show dave i know you've been binging too yeah i i already on season six so i'll watch two three episodes before i fall asleep at night and it's like the fifth or sixth time i've done that and that's like even knowing how bad the final season was yeah i mean they just started production on the new prequel House of Dragons. Posting photos House of Dragons. Today. yeah i don't yeah. even know if i'm excited for it because i i'm i'm I have to be honest. I fought Game of Thrones for a long time. I was like, "That's nerd shit. Get it out of here." I don't exactly want that. Exactly with bad. me. I'm like, ah, Dungeons and Dragons, not for me, dude. It's like a fucking softcore porno out of it. <laughs> it's like Sex. gory. Floppy wiener. Floppy. Can I say too? Yo, my first episode I ever saw was the Red Wedding. Oh, I that's was, a great way to start. I was in college, and my roommates were watching it, and they were like, uh, "They were like, shut the fuck up, dude. Game of Thrones is on." I was like, "What is this?" It's fucking dragons and shit. Get out of here, bro. Let's go crush some puss. Like, no, like we used to watch that shit on the on the tour bus too. Sunday well, nights, man. We'd be like, well, so shut the fuck up, dude. We the one time we were when we were we were cutting an album in Nashville, and I think it was like the season five premiere or something. And I was sitting there in a recliner, drunk, watching it, and I was like, "Is this meant to be funny?" Like, I was like, "I don't get this." Whatever. But like the first episode I watched, everybody gets murdered at the end. And I was like. Yeah, this is kind of wild. It's still nerdy, but like this is some wild ass shit. But I just want to say, shouts out Jon Snow, shouts out Game of Thrones. I forgive you, kinda. You know uh, who's got d- a great rack? It is the Red Witch, which is a phenomenal rack. Oh, dude, very good. Very. Yeah, awesome I, th- rack. I think that's that's a very common thing that's. I'm been into known her about. even when she's old without the necklace. Oh Thanks. yeah, absolutely. Reminds me of my childhood, Dave. Who's <laughs> Dave? Who's on your list? On my list is uh, friends without kids and wives. Okay. Um, yeah, fuck us, right? That's all of, all of us, bro. Yeah, yeah. so, so fuck all of are, us. You guys are, uh, yeah, fuck you guys. Well, you guys are off my list. That was what I was going to say for off my list, too. But um, I'm 32 now. Kenny, how old are you? are 36? 37. 37. Uh, Rob, how are you? You're 20? I'm 32 with a kid three weeks away. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Congratulations, Congrats. Dad. Thanks. And I'm, I'm, terrifying. I'm, I'm 29. I got married at 27. I am like the last of my friends to not be married with kids. I don't have friends anymore. They're all dead, basically. They might as <laughs> Bro, well. you didn't you didn't settle though. That's the thing. You're gonna find a gem later on in life. You're gonna be chilling. You're not gonna be. I guarantee. 
Yeah. You'll have some that, friends that are going to be divorced I mean, by then. You didn't fucking settle, dog. You'll find somebody that you like to smoke weed with and eat cookies and watch Game of Thrones with late at night, you know, soon. That's all I want. But at the same time, like, right now where I am in life, I like to, like, go out and get drunk on a Sunday night like I did yesterday. And it's almost impossible to find friends that'll do that with me. These yeah, days. yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. actually, it's not that hard. I would hard. have been raging five nights a week. I mean, Dave, it's not that hard. You just need to go hang out near a college. Literally, wear a sign around. Well, your I'm also that 32. Says, I, work... I don't want to be the creepy old dude. And I wear live a... on DePaul's campus. Wear a sign around your neck that says, I work for Barstool Sports and go to a bar. You'll have plenty You'll be of just friends. fine. <laughs> you'll be Bro, fine. Drop, drop a tweet real fast. And you'll have plenty of people, but you'll be drinking dude, for it, free. I mean, not to sound like a douche, I don't really need to do that. <laughs> But it's always fucking like twenty-three-year-old dudes that are like asking me about Big Cat and Dave Portnoy, and I'm like, that's the only problem though. Is like while it gets you rad free drinks and good times, not a lot of chicks are are like, are you from Barstool? <laughs> I'd say one out of every thirty people that yeah, 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 recognize yeah. me as a woman. Yeah. Oh man! All right, so you're well, saying there's a chance. So yeah, I, basically, what well, what we're doing training Dave to become a rock star, like then then your worlds merge, and then exactly. like, there the we cool go. the cool yeah. like side, and then the Dave side come together, bro. You're gonna find a, an Did absolute. You say the Dave side's not the cool side. Uh, the current Dave and then the rock star <laughs> Dave meet together, and the, it's just gonna work, bro. It's just gonna work. We're gonna meet your wife in Nashville, bro. We're gonna meet oh. your wife in LA or something like that. Perfect. She's I mean, gonna be on her own bachelorette party in Nashville and be like, "Oh my God, is that Dave playing the guitar on the I street?" Love, I love home wrecking. That's one of my favorite things. <laughs> Stay away from my wife, yo. All right, Rob, who's on your guest list? So it's random. Dave might appreciate this one, but the city of Buffalo just announced there's gonna be five thousand people that can go to Blue Jays games. There you go, Buffalo in a AAA stadium, and I want to go to a fucking baseball game. That's sick, actually. And the AAA stadiums are smaller, and like it, it, it's just gonna be sick. Yeah, it's gonna be nice just to be able to get outside. Five thousand people is a lot something. for for the those stadiums. Stadium. It actually it holds it holds uh, seventeen. It's the biggest AAA stadium in the country. Okay, I was gonna say because like, so the White Sox play in Charlotte for their AAA team, <laughs> and it's like a brand new stadium. It's beautiful. It's like right right downtown Charlotte. Uh, I want to say awesome. it only holds like ten twelve thousand. No, they're doing they're allowed one third capacity. So I, th- I think it holds like. I think sixteen is like what it is or something like that. Yeah. Well, Kenny, you follow you follow Shoals, right, Andrew Shoals? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so he was talking about something the other day. You know, Canada's still on like full lockdown. Oh right? yeah, yeah, it's bad up there. Right? Why? Why is it that they think that like they have this all figured out and they won't let their own sports teams back in the country yet? Like, it's not even bad. Apparently, like it's not really like running rampant up there. They're just literally still not letting anybody like leave their homes. I think like, they, they had, bought like, a bunch of vaccines and literally had to cancel them, like because there was the blood clots, like Johnson and Johnson. I think they like, oh, had really? enough for the whole, they, they went balls in on one, had enough for the whole country. And then they were like, Oh, wait a minute. They made the wrong bet. Uh, well, apparently a lot of people in Canada are pissed off at their government because like literally they, they have a lockdown to the point where it's like cops can stop you after eight o'clock and be like, what are you doing out? I was reading something the other day. Some uh, it was an American dude with Canadian citizenship or some shit. He he got caught not quarantining for fourteen days after crossing the border, and he was fined like out the asshole, like really? twenty five grand or something. Yeah. Is there ever been a more boring dual citizenship? Like, usually, that's such a cool thing. Like, oh yeah, I'm like Italian. I have an Italian citizenship. He's like, nah, I can fucking walk across the border over here. Dude, I used to have to. I have some. I have some previous convictions in my record from the, from the past. And every time on tour, we'd have to go across the border. I'd always get pulled to the side. What are you doing here? Blah, 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 all this different shit. It's like, I'm working. 
why the fuck else do you think I would be coming it's over here? Canada, yeah. Like I'm fucking working. I don't want to be here. I'm here to fucking work. Let me go. Dude, the, Van- the Vancouver border is the worst to cross. Yeah, those are, those so are that's a brutal one. bad. I've yeah. never been to Canada. Yeah. I've, I've never been out of the country before. I've never been to Canada. Really? Yeah, the closest wow. I've ever been is when we were in Detroit for the Super Bowl. We were in <laughs> Detroit uh, looking at Windsor. <laughs> yeah, I was looking at Windsor, like the smokestacks. I do want to get fucked up in Windsor though. And just get really scuzzy for a weekend. A lot of gambling in Windsor. Yeah, I've heard. I've heard about. Uh... I heard it's a complete <laughs> shithole, but I, that's like what I gravitate toward. There's some. It's like any place, I guess. There, if you're tour enough, you get to see a couple places like Kelowna and Victoria, and like even Toronto was the first place I bought weed legally. Really? In Canada, like before, like the whole federal legalization thing, and and now and it went fully legal up there, so you can just go to any store anywhere. There's some good places, but also like. I've done three week Canadian tours where you don't mm. leave Canada in like February where it's like negative 39 and you're in Saska fucking tune. <laughs> then, then it gets pretty fucking bad. And you just want to yeah, then, then you're over it. But uh, yeah, all right, yeah, Kenny, yeah, Kenny who's on your list on my list today is none other than Jaleel White, Steve Urkel, who just released a new weed strain called Purple Urkel, which is testing off the charts and looks fucking tight, and I can't wait to try it. And for that fucking stupid-ass fucking Jake Paul fight, he brought mm. back Urkel and played the character with Snoop for the first time in, like, 20 years or something like that. My man. Bro, shouts out to Jaleel, to Jaleel White just, like, accepting his his role in society as Urkel. You got to give yeah. him some And making and some he, money off it. He did the skit 100%. It wasn't half-assed. Like, he went full Urkel, and it was fucking tight, was man. So good. Purple Urkel. Can't wait to try it. Hey, Kenny's going to get absolutely zooted on that shit. I can see it I already. I can't wait. You're going to have to do, like, a, an unboxing and, a, like, a weed, like, a... Like a taste that's test. A new, like, that's a good new YouTube channel. Yeah. One, one rip, everybody knows the rules. One rip, everybody knows the rules. My friend has this idea for a for a cooking show called Baker Get Baked, and you're smoking tons of weed while cooking, and you like, there you're like missing an ingredient. You have to try to figure out how to like replace it. It's Baker Get Baked. You I just like put but, everything is butter. You just put more butter yeah, in yeah, there. Yeah. Uh, all right. So off my list, I put corporate social media teams. There is something so creepy and Orwellian about like Oreo tweeting about shit that's normal, like tweeting like, hey, everybody, what's up today? Like, get the fuck out of here. You're a corporation. You're not a human being. Stop tweeting like a 13 year old. Like, it, I see that shit. Like, ESPN today put this really stupid tweet out there. I actually tweeted it out and said, this is the worst tweet of all time. And it was referring to Avengers Endgame coming out a year ago. And they totally butchered this thing, but they used like teenager lexicon and my blood just ran cold. I was like, Ugh, this is so creepy and weird. It's just like, it's, I don't like some like intern sitting behind a desk and tweeting a faceless corporation as if they're like a 13 year old kid being like, ew, today's so lit. Shut the fuck up, dude. I You're agree happy. with you completely, but we've all seen like, Slim Jim's comments on no, Instagram and shit. Right, right. Different. That's different. That was like, there's some that's, that's like when Wendy's claps back against Burger King for some shit. You're like, bro, I'm here ever, for it. Have you ever followed Kurger Bing? No, what? Kurger Bing is a meme page, and it they just take Burger King advertisements, but they just replace it with like the words horse comb. <laughs> like, it is Kenny. I'm gonna send it to you. It is my favorite thing on earth. They like they they'll put like ingredients up there. They change the word Pepsi to Peebus. <laughs> like it's so dumb. Send that, it over, bro. That is funny. They, uh, I was hey. trying to find it last night because you put up that thing about uh, we bought a jewel. 
they they have an advertisement for what they call vapey boys that are just, yeah, it's yeah. just a soda with a jewel sticking out of the straw hole. <laughs> Dude, my production company name for fitness, like for BMI and ASCAP and all that shit, is Radio Vape 182. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right, Dave, who's off your guest list? Um, off my guest list is having the shits. When's the last time you guys have shit your pants? Like shit my pants or like had the shits? Uh, like you go to rip ass in the car and you accidentally shit your pants. So you actually shart your pants. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 2013, I think. Oh, in man. Atlanta, riding a bird scooter. A yeah, I know. I, on tour. I feel like you put me in a tour bus. And it's more, that's, that's when it's going to happen. It's more likely to happen in a tour bus than it is anywhere else in the world. So I've shit in plastic bags in the tour bus. Hot bagging. That's, that's, bagging. A, real thing. Man. that's a real fucking thing. That's a real fucking thing. It's disgusting. It. it is the that's, grossest that's thing I've bad. ever done in my entire life. It, I told you, Dave, tour life isn't cute, bro. No, it's <laughs> disgusting. I don't. Uh, God damn, that's. So Dave, pretty... did you poop your pants today? No, I didn't shit my pants today. I might later on. <laughs> haven't decided yet, but it's uh, early. It's preliminary I, shooting. One time, <laughs> so I was actually my buddy. I think I've told the story. I told the story on some podcast before, but this was in 2016ish, 17 maybe. My buddy calls me up at like eight in the morning. I'm just waking up and he's like, Hey, I just called into, I think it's us 99.5 radio. Ironically enough. Um, I was the 10th caller. I won two Kenny Chesney tickets at soldier field. Do you want to go? <laughs> and then you shit your pants. <laughs> yeah. Why the fuck now? Let's go. So we go, we have an awesome time in his country concert. I don't like country music. Country concerts are fucking fun. And, um, That's because of the drinking his place, um, which is not far, a couple miles away that night and at like two in the morning we ordered sarpinos do you guys have sarpinos it's uh it's like a it's like pizza hut it's like shit it sounds like a chain pizza place it's chain pizza yeah Yeah, it's gross but it's like all that's open and we ordered it and next morning it's like 8 a.m or whatever and instead of taking an uber home i'm like i'm just gonna ride i mean we have the city bikes where you can like unlock them with an app you know and I get about halfway home. I'm going down Milwaukee Avenue, which is a straightaway over like the highways and shit. So there's nowhere you, you're either going one way or the other. You can't like get off. The, and all of a sudden I hear the <laughs> in my stomach. And once I get over all like the, the bridges and shit, I'm like looking for alleys and there's fucking signs on these bikes that say, if you lose these bikes, it's $1,200 fine. And I'm looking for alleys. I'm like, I'm going to shit in the alley. I'm going to shit in the alley. If I don't, and I finally, I dock the bike, I get home and I'm outside my front door. And have you ever stepped when you got a shit really bad? And you know, if you are, if you don't, if you take another step, it's just going to unleash. I was standing outside my fucking apartment for like 10 minutes, afraid to take another step because I was going to shit my pants. So eventually I did take that step. I did shit my pants. (laughs) It was you a were right. fucking. Uh, it was, you it stepped was, on a landmine. It was yeah. It was like I and it's like running down my leg. I get upstairs. I like shower and clean myself off, and that was that was it. To everyone my- here who comes from David Shaw sending out the tweet that yeah. this is live. I'm sorry. Oh, Don't man. put that on social media. This is just for the uh, yeah, list. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, it's just for, this is this this is like our uh, Patreon. OG, yeah. This is for our Patreon. All right. Uh, <laughs> Rob. It was bad, all, but Rob, I might shit my pants later on because I ate a burrito that is not sitting well with me right now. Uh, Rob, who's off your guest list? I don't even know if I just really want to even top that at this point. <laughs> like, how do I... Oh fuck! <laughs> Rob just like passed. Off off my guest list, dude. Yeah, Dave. What the fuck? Off my <laughs> guest list is people who pull the gas hose to the other side of their fucking car. Oh hell yeah! That's a good people one. People who don't yeah. wait 
Or or I've literally fucking seen people pull up and just go, eh, all right. There's other fucking spots open. You could drive around and back your fucking car up. But you decide to ruin the paint on the roof of your car by dragging the metal hose all the way across just to look like that thing? asshole that has to hold it upside down and fill your fucking tank up. <laughs> Bro, I literally thing? watched I literally watched somebody drive off with the nozzle still in their fucking oh, car the other day, like four days ago. So good. You're like, I can't help but just point and laugh. You're like, yeah. you fucking stupid idiot. <sighs> I, I immediately judge you. If I see somebody doing that, I immediately judge you. And I There's don't really not, like I love being the guy, like, if somebody's like, leaves their gas tank open, like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, they forget to close it. Like, they drive off, and that's just, just open and shit's flapping in the wind. I love being the guy who pulls up next to him, being like, roll your window down. Hey, fuckface, your fucking gas tank's still open. They're like, whatever, man. I thought it was something important. I actually, my tire was deflated today, and I have no idea why. And the guy pulls up next to me and goes, Yo, your tire's deflated. And I was like, thanks. I fucking know, dude. He was like, okay, cool. See you. So, all right, Rob, that's a good one, actually. Does that happen in Buffalo a lot? No, but it happens in Hawaii every single day. Really? And to the point where I send, like, I, like my friends were, like, expecting Snapchats or pictures of it for me. Like, look at this fucking asshole. Like, look at this piece of shit. Like, I, I genuinely, like, it. my wife is like, you get really angry about that. And I'm like, dude, just drive your car. Like I hate people. Like we've all been doing this long enough. Just drive your fucking right. car. Yeah. Do it right. Come on, man. All right, Kenny. Who's off your guest list? Jake fucking Paul. Shout out. I, I was gonna use him too. He's such a fucking. Dude. It, it might actually has a two parter, right? Because my on the list was Jaleel White, and that came up because he did Urkel for that Jake Paul fight. And then as I was thinking about it, I was like, "Fuck, Jake Paul." I get. He looks great. He's got an arm. All that shit. He has yet to fight a fucking boxer. He has not boxed a boxer. He's like, yeah. well, he boxed a professional athlete and Nate Robinson. Nate's five foot fucking six. Box a boxer, you fucking loser. And, it's and then also, let's see what's up. Well, Ben Askren also is like a world champion UFC fighter. He's also 15 months He's retired. He's also retired and, and has also, fucking knee surgury and, and he, or hip surgery. Yeah, or whatever bro, he had, his yeah. hip he had his hip replaced. This is, but this is my point. Like, and he's like... Ah! And you're like, bro, relax, I, I bro. fucking relax, bro. Like, I, and if you do well against Connor, even or whatever the fuck, like, cool, props and respect. But until I want, then, yeah, chill the fuck out. <laughs> thank you. You put you put that perfectly. I so apparently that fight with Mayweather is on. That's his. Yeah, I've heard that. So oh, he's not allowed to be over one ninety, and Mayweather's not allowed to be over one sixty. I think I, I read. So there's it's always be... stipulations. It's like just well, fucking pound for pound somebody. I oh. hope to God that Mayweather just tears his fucking face off. How could he not? How could he? I mean, yeah, at the, the very at the very it. least, it'll be a win by decision because that's the way Mayweather, Mayweather fights. fucking fights. Yeah, right? but, but but I mean. Nobody's really caught Jake. No real boxers fought him, so but no boxers caught Jake in the face yet with a good one. You know, all, I mean? all like, I'd like to see. I don't even want to see him fight a big fighter. I want to see him go down to the Front Street Gym in Philadelphia yep. and find some fucking kid who's working his way up, hungry. Right. Go fight Danny right. Garcia. Go fight someone who's Danny Garcia people. would rip his fucking face off. Danny Swift Garcia, baby. Philadelphia's own. Go find somebody at a gym. Oh, no, I was thinking of Ryan Garcia. I'm sorry. You're thinking of Ryan? That kid's a monster. And that would be fucking, fucking fun monster. to watch. Yeah. He's a social media star, too, so it makes sense. Dude, he's, got right. the fan. he's a world-class piece of shit, I've heard. Um, well, but He's a social media star. What do you expect? He is. He would fuck. I, I would love to see that. I just want him to get his face caved in. Shut the fuck Same. up. Same. And that is why fair. he makes so much money. Because we all want to see it, and it's just... Like I said, any press I, is I good I bought press, the fucking fight. Bro. I paid the 50 bucks for it. 
Dude, yeah. they had one fucking thriller. <laughs> they had one or one point two million buys at fifty dollars a piece. That's a sixty-five million dollar night. Yeah, Not yeah, too yeah, bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that, at the same time, like he's really fucking loaded now, and like, is there a price you could pay, or that like, at at what point do you accept that ninety nine percent of everybody hates you, but you're like, I don't care, I, I'm fucking loaded. I think that's the way he already feels yeah, now. He's accepted that. Yeah, I think he's very much made come to peace with with, with that. And uh, dude, the memory who was talking shit to fucking uh, Conor McGregor's girlfriend or fiance or so yeah. talking shit about her. You're like, bro, I you dare you to step into the ring with fucking Conor. Every son. time I see one of those kids and they do some shit like that, it just reminds me that they probably never had real friends. Like, cause like, if like you were like, if you never dealt right. with real people, like you've been like in this like weird YouTube world. Cause if you do that shit, if you're at a bar in the city and you're just like, yeah, like right. you and your exactly. girlfriend, you're getting jumped by nine dudes. And that to me, exactly. it's very obvious this kid lives in a bubble, but like, whatever. I can't even hate anybody for getting money. Go get money. It is what it is, but fuck you at the same time. So that's Can I also the- say, I'm so sorry. I just, the no, last thing I got to say, because you. this has always bugged me anyway, because it goes back to the Floyd Mayweather McGregor fight and all that kind of stuff. Right? Like we all know that if, if an MMA fighter goes against a top boxer with all the rules of boxing and the techniques of boxing, that it's probably the boxer's advantage. Yes. Ain't none of them boxers ever going to go into the MMA ring no. with an MMA guy, right? So, like, no matter what happens, let's just keep that in the back of our minds that, like, you are not stepping in that ring with fucking McGregor jake floyd or jake paul i fucking promise you yeah McGre- mcgregor is a, a fucking absolute monster he's also a shithead too so yeah Shit, all, did you guys see all... Usman the other night Usman <laughs> and masvidal bro jorge masvidal made so much money for actually knocking out ben Askren with that one second knockout and ever since he's just been catching hands left and right but i love Dude, him 100 yeah i love masvidal i love his attitude that's one punch ko though was so fucking pretty Oh my god, oh, man! I've gotten to know a couple UFC guys. I've gotten to know Algerine Sterling a little bit. Mm. Uh, Jamal Hill, I play Call of Duty with him here and there, and then uh, um, uh, Curtis Blades, I've I've met a few times. He's the sweetest guy ever. He's like a big teddy bear, and he was close to, like, really close to fighting for the heavyweight championship. Um, it, like they're all cool dudes, but in general, I think they're all just assholes. A lot of, lot of guys in Philly right now coming up. Sean Brady, who is a, uh, dates a friend of a, a friend of a friend. And uh, there's actually two Philly cops that are also basically moonlighting as UFC fighters that, uh, that fight and then come home and go back to work. No and they're shit. kicking ass right now. It's actually pretty, it's pretty cool to see. So, uh, all right, that's on the list, off the list. Uh, real quick, let's go into what the fuck we've been listening to. Uh, I mentioned her earlier in the show, Brittany Howard. Uh, I've been listening to her solo album a lot. It's really cool to see somebody step out and do something different when they already have a, a band that works. And she, th- this solo album is amazing. I picked the song Stay High. Just a, a great song. She she is a national treasure. Shout out to Brittany Howard. So that's what I've been listening to. Dave, what the fuck have you been listening to? I sent this to you guys. And Colin, you text back and email back and call back faster than anybody on the planet. It's I'm like punctual, you're bro. fucking sitting there waiting to get texted. I texted you and Kenny. Kenny was probably like, in La La Land, smoking weed and shit. But uh, Omido, I think is how you pronounce it. It's, I said it to you guys, so here. It's like, it's this is not the kind of music I listen to, but uh, this is a buddy of mine who plays for the White Sox, his walkout music. And it is fucking awesome. I can't get enough of it. I cannot get enough of it. Yeah, what kind gonna- of... Good. I don't even know kind of how to categorize this kind of movie. It's kind of like electronic a little bit. 
I like it. Um, it's really fucking good, though. Dave, if you had a if you had a walkout song in the major leagues, what would you pick? <laughs> well, I, I had one all through uh, high school and college. It was like a pimp remix by David Banner. <laughs> it, it's like that's actually yeah, awesome. It was actually a really good walkout song. My one of my best friends, like, because we all hate seeing each other succeed in anything. Like, we hope everybody that. fails. And uh, my best friend is like, I really fucking hate to admit that that's an awesome walkout song. It's a good walkout song. Shout out, Rob. What the fuck have you been listening to? Uh, my boys in the band Academy. Uh, it's two guys from New England. They just started releasing some new stuff. They took a little bit of a break, and the song Lockdown came out a couple weeks ago. And honestly, it's a fucking great summer jam, and I've just been kind of spinning it. And little shout out, yeah. Give your boys some shine. I like that. Hell yeah. All right, Kenny, what the fuck have you been listening to? Uh, I chose something today that I've talked about on this podcast before, but I've never chosen it as my listen tune. It's that the last neighborhood record that came out last year called Chip Chrome and the Monotones. I'm mm. uh, I wasn't even that big of a neighborhood fan and to begin with. And then um, in the midst of what we talked about earlier, just complete garbage music for the most part where I'm looking. Um, this record blew my fucking mind into smithereens, start to finish the whole entire record recorded so well. The choices are amazing. The lyrics, the voices, it's highly recommend. They, they were a band that had the big hit. They did a uh, sweater Weather. Weather. And yeah, then yeah, yeah. It, it, like after that, they were doing like mixtapes. They were dropping random shit all the time. I like it. a funny story. Here's a funny story about them. Good. <laughs> I remember, we remember, I remember us making fun of them because, uh, when they were first coming up, like still playing like the two thirty slot, you know, on the side stage or whatever, Shumps. they always had this fucking thing where all photographers had to shoot in black and white or can only post photos uh. in black and white. They're not allowed to. It's against the rules, against contractually. Has to be black and white. And that's where the beginning of my like, you fucking little fucks, you know what I mean? <laughs> but then also, I really love that last record. So fuck me, right? Uh, the aesthetic isn't right here. What are they all jaundiced? They don't want to get caught being jaundiced. Yeah, they're like, I'm so fucking artistic and I'm so fucking cool and fucking whatever. But the music's Dude, you really imagine good. having the ha- having the gall to go to these people who do this as a career and being like, you can only shoot me from this angle. Like the coolest yeah. part about playing live sometimes is the fact that you see some shit afterwards that somebody took and you're like, wow, I did not even know I did that. That looked really yeah. cool. What I did yeah. was not yeah, that yeah, cool. Yeah. You made it look cool. All right, well, that's what the fuck we've been listening to. Uh, we're going to come back from our interview with David Shaw, and we're going to go into uh, Rob's Where the Bodies are, ha- are Hidden. What are we calling it? Where the Bodies are Buried? There you go. There you go. All right, yeah, well, we're going to go into Rob's segment. We're going to be talking some tour stories after this, but let's go into our interview with David Shaw. All right, ladies and gentlemen, on the guest list today, we have the frontman for the band The Revivalist coming straight out of New Orleans, Louisiana. We have David Shaw with us today. David, thank you for being here, my man. Thanks for having me, you guys. It's a pleasure. It's dude, a pleasure. It's a, it's it's a pleasure. the pleasure's all on our part, dude. Yes. We like to start out right away with a question. I want to start with the juicy stuff. There we, this is juicy, actually. <laughs> this is good. Good. So I want I like you to it. close your eyes and put yourself in this situation. The year is all 2015. Right. The Revivalists are on tour in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. It's at the Theater of Living Arts on South Street. You guys are playing with Red Wanting Blue and some scrub opening band. You're backstage. You're in a small room uh, filled with uh, weed smoke and Chinese food. You're sitting on top of a laundry machine, and some goofy 24-year-old idiot opens the door, awkwardly apologizes, slams it, and runs away. Do you know who that person was? 
Was it you? It was me. It was yes! me. We opened for you guys. It was one of our first big shows at the Theater of Living Arts in Philadelphia, opening for the Revivalist in Red Warning Blue. And I was looking for the bathroom, and I went to go open this door, and you were sitting on top of a laundry machine eating Chinese food with sunglasses on. And I was like, oh, uh, my, sorry, my bad. And I ran back to the green room, and I was like, dude, I just fucking barge in on these guys. I feel like an asshole. So, oh, dude, you could have came in and ate some of my Chinese with me, man. I That's believe the that, too. kind of dude I am. Bro, you guys were wonderful, too. Like, we were hanging out before the show with your saxophone player and one of your guitar players. We talked yeah. for, like, 20 minutes. You guys tore the house down that night. And I just wanted to say thank you for the hospitality. I appreciate that. Absolutely, man. You know, we learned um, we learned uh, pretty early on how just it's it's important to just, you know, some bands we've gone out with and they just were not cool to us. You know, I will never I will never name names, um, but like we just realized how that made us feel. And it's just hey, who wants to be that way anyway, like regardless of anything. But like so we always just always made it a point like just be cool. Just be cool. Don't be a dick. That Prerequisite. is prerequisite. Prerequisite. Hundred percent. A don't be an asshole. That's the only mantra you gotta live by. DBA. Seriously. Don't be an asshole. It's all you got. It's it's because a conscious decision too. It, it, it yes exactly. The thing is, it causes you more pain. Hundred percent. It causes you more pain, and it's. I mean. It, if, if it could be even a selfish thing, you know, cause it's like, if you're, if you're being that way, you're just, you're just setting yourself up for more pain and more suffering and all that stuff. So now, on, that note where, on that note where we weren't going to name names for bands that were rude that you guys have been with. Is there anybody that stands out to you that you guys have been on the road with where, that were just overly hospitable? You guys were just like, wow, these guys for as big as they are, were so cool. Um, well, I will say rebirth was mm. cool. Um, Rebirth and Galactic is kind of like our big brother band from Hell New yeah. Orleans. Um, let's see here. Who else? I mean, I'm a, I got to give it up to Government Mule. Oh, um, and Warren Haynes. Building. Hell yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they were always just like, I mean, he'd always, he'd bring us up on stage, you know, at, you know, at, at, you know, at the end of the show, just kind of like just showing love, you know, because he didn't have to do that. You know what I'm saying? We were just this little, little band at the time and, Bros, it's I saw cool. you. I saw you guys open for Galactic in Philadelphia at the Electric Factory. Uh, my brother-in-law has family in New Orleans, so he's always been a huge fan of yours. So we go mm. to see Galactic, and uh, this was after we had already opened for you guys. So uh, in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, I know them. They're cool. They're they're good guys. So, uh, but I remember specifically you getting called up for the encore for that show, and you guys did like a 10 minute version of All Along the Watchtower. And you were in the crowd. Oh, You're an animal, yeah. dude. You're an oh, animal. Dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was fun, man. I that was right around the time where I, I I think I did a tour with them right around that time too. Or like that was like the prerequisite for that tour. But yeah, oh my God. That was a song that Oh man, it, it turned into a journey every Bro, time. <laughs> shouts out to Galactic. Stewart is one of the greatest drummers of all time. So I just want to put that out there. Uh, Right, I want to say yes. I, I want to say this too. So when we played with you, it was about like two years before "Wish I Knew You" blew up. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the way, because at the time you guys weren't even where you were when we had played with you, and you guys have been grinding for like ten years before "Wish I Knew You" blew up. Yeah, what was that like to have gone through the rigors of you know touring and trying to get shit out there, and then all of a sudden this happens and snap of a finger, your whole life has changed. 
Um, it was jarring, but also I think it wasn't as jarring as it can be for some people because we had just been doing it. So it was really like, it was like we, we, we went through our long incubation period. And then when the thing hit, it was like, well, shit, we know, to, we know what to do with all these people. We've been doing it. <laughs> you know 100%. what I'm saying? Some bands, they have that, they have that lightning out the bottle right away. And it, you get them on stage and it's like, oh boy, we got right. some work to do. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Do you feel like the fact that you did have to go through all that in the lead up really prepared you for it? Or I think so. Do you think you appreciated it more because of what you had gone through to get there? Both. Absolutely, man. We, I mean, we, we just, we played every nook and cranny on, you know, from, from, from the top of Maine to the, to the bottom, you know, of, of California to the bottom of Florida to Key West. To, we haven't played Omaha. We haven't played anywhere, you know, but there's a few places we haven't really played, but. Flyover Midwest um, What's oh, up? I was just saying the flyover Midwest states. Yeah, yeah, we haven't played. We haven't played that. We, I'll tell you where we have played a lot. That was Ohio because I'm from there. So we. Right. <laughs> How did you wind up in New Orleans? How did you wind up in New Orleans? Um, uh, it was 2007. I had just graduated college. I uh, was like, man, you know, I gotta. I think I'm gonna try to pursue music. Um, you know, it was. It was like that. It was that was the point. I was like, ah, I'm either gonna do this or I'm not. And I just kind of had some newfound confidence. So I was like, you know what, let's, let's do this. And so my girlfriend at the time had a, had a roommate from college who moved to new Orleans. She needed some roommates and we, we went down to visit and we basically, I mean, we, we left, but we basically never left, you know, when we, when we came to visit. So Go in love dude. And I, new Orleans yeah. has that effect, by the way, like you go to new Orleans and instantaneously oh, yeah. everybody who goes there is like, I could, I could get an apartment here. I think I could stay here forever. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. It is the, it's so charming. It is so culturally thick, you know, musically, um, spiritually, it's just, it's really everything. And it's, it's one of those places where like, if I ever did think about like moving somewhere, I just don't even know where I would go because like we've been all over the place and every place it's every place has got its cool little, you know, things about it, but there's something about new Orleans that just gets in you and just like, Ah, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. It's <laughs> tough. It's tough to, it's tough to leave this place. Well, I mean, on that note, I mean, I'm very invested in Philadelphia. It's, it's who I am and it's who the band is. Dave is yeah. more than Dave's financially invested in the city of Chicago. I have to be in Chicago legally. <laughs> like I'm actually obligated to be here. Um, but I was going to actually, so like, I love, I love Chicago, by the way, Chicago. Great. If, I'm going to tell you if there was any other city that I would live in, it would be Chicago. Ooh. It's, 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 it's straight up. I love it, but it's got its warts. It, it, there's a lot yeah. of like about it, it, but I don't, you, we don't need to go down that rabbit hole. I can <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm reading up on you guys. Obviously you guys are fucking world famous now, but I'm reading up and just like getting the, basically the, the spark notes, the cliff notes on Wikipedia, you and Zach find that riding, riding bikes in New York city. Like I, it, it, I feel like not in New York City, not in New York City, in New in New Orleans. Was that it in New makes Orleans? Sense. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was sitting, I was sitting, playing. Um, let's see, do I even have, do I have the guitar in here that I was playing? Uh, no, it's it's in the shop. I was sitting on my front porch, singing and playing a playing a song that actually ended up 
on our Vital Signs album, a song wow. called Purple Heart. Yeah, he uh, and he he stopped, he stopped, and and I stopped, and he was like, he's like, no, he's like, dude, keep just keep singing. He was like, I would, I I stopped for a reason, you know. And I was like, all right, all right, I'll I'll I'll, I'll here we go. I'm gonna give it through the performance, you know. <laughs> it was cool. So I did that, and then we just struck up a conversation. He picked up the guitar and played some um, Mississippi John Hurt, like some Kenny yeah. and stuff. Let's go, like. So yeah, and then we, you know, then here we are. History. <laughs> you know? We are, yeah. It's it's just it's so funny to me, like those backstories where like if you weren't playing your exact like you know, afternoon routine on your front porch exactly. riding his bike a different route home, you would be just some schmuck right now, like working whatever I know, in, you know. Seriously. Seriously, it's crazy. And I, I do, I, I look, it's, and Zach has also shown up in, in other times in, in my life where, where it was like, holy shit, dude, there's something going on here. Mm-hmm. Like it's, uh, you know, it's, it's wild. Like, and I don't want to go down that rabbit hole too far because it, it, it gets a little dark and a little scary, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but like, but honestly, man, like, it's there's something going on something something going on in the in the stars in the in the ether in, in the, the ether bro like, whatever man I, I don't know what it is but yeah there's well, the reason i love the reason i love hearing you say that and even earlier in the conversation when you were talking about you know bands that get on right away or or like the industry kind of bands that like you know they've been yeah. put together in los angeles in a test tube you know what i mean yeah totally I am, I'm always attracted to the band because it's my story as well. I met Ken, our bass player. We were we lived in dorm rooms next to each other, and we yep. just became best friends. Erica, me and her were waiting tables together, and she was listening to Otis Redding on her headphones. That's how we met. I have a love affair with the story behind bands, especially when it's something like you guys. It's important. I think it's it's important, and when it turns into kind of like part of just like the folklore of the band, you know. It's- oh yeah. It's cool, you know. It's good. I, you know, some bands, yeah, they don't, yeah, they don't have, they don't have like a story like that. Which mm-hmm. I, I think it's special. It's definitely special. I mean, we've talked sure. so much about the revivalist so far, but we need to go into the new album. So it's the debut self-titled album. Yes, sir. I've listened. So th- I actually found out about this before we had reached out. Uh, I was listening to World Cafe. I'm in the place where World Cafe is broadcast from, and uh, okay. I was listening and I didn't catch the intro and I just heard and I was like, is this fucking David Shaw? And I was like, this is <laughs> awesome. And I've gone through oh, everything. Hell yeah. I've gone through everything that's been released thus far. Uh, got me Sick, feeling man. good. Got me feeling good for one is just an outstanding song, but two, can you explain Thank the music you, video, please? Dude. Oh my God, dude. So, so I, I honestly, I've, I've been, a, I've been a skateboarder. I've been a rollerblader. I've been a roller skater. I've always had a passion for doing that. And one of those things I was always doing at some point. And during COVID, I got the, you know, I was like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to get, I'm going to get a pair of skates. I'm going to get back out there and just, just have some fun, you know? And one day I was out there and this guy who we had, who we actually had worked with in the past on, um, he came out and did some uh, New Year's stuff with us. Um, his name's Bobby, Bobby Bonzi. Um, he was skating and he was just like, killing it i was just like oh my god this dude is like break dancing i mean he i mean he was like popping and locking and just like i mean just like 
putting all the moves on and i i just i had no idea that he was also like a skater just like so, i mean he's just he's just one of those people that's talented in a million different ways mm -hmm. and he could surprise you at any moment you know what i'm saying you know those people those you know what i'm saying you're just like where did this come from dude i didn't know you could do this you know so so i you know i went away from that i went away that afternoon thinking like and i was you know it, it i was like I was, it was kind of right around the time where I was trying to think of like, okay, what do I want to do for this music video? What? And because that can be a thing. It's like music videos can be like, oh man, I don't know about this, you know, or like, or it could be amazing, you know? So yeah. it was one of those like, uh, it's like, and then it just kind of dawned on me and I was like, oh my God, Bobby, Bobby, this is the thing. Once again, I got to, you know, you got to go where life kind of takes, you know what I'm saying? And you got to, you got to kind of like keep your intuition, like listen to that little thing, you know, because sometimes you just be going and you keep your head down and you just miss a lot of shit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, so I'm grateful that I was tuned in that day to realize that like, holy shit, like this is a thing. Like, let's, let's do this. Like, let's, 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 let's cast Bobby in, in this video because just watching him made me feel good. You know what I'm oh, saying? Yeah. Hell yeah. And then it just kind of like morphed into this thing when he when he came to kind of like show us what he could do and how he wanted to do it. He brought a friend, which was Slick, who was the guy who was his partner in the video. Mm -hmm. And the whole time we're like figuring it out. I'm like, ah, I'm like telling the director and the guys, I'm like, guys, like, I, I don't need to be in this video. Like, I don't I know this is my video, whatever. Like, um, but like it, it wasn't like it wasn't about me. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, I, I was like, I want to focus on you guys. But I was like, if I am, if you guys think I should be in this video and we, and you know, we, we, we come to that, I don't know, get me. It was almost like a joke. I was like, I'll be up on a horse and I'll be playing my guitar. <laughs> and the director was like, I love that. Can you make that happen? I was like, I don't fucking know. That was a joke. Where do I get a fucking horse from? <laughs> where can I get a horse from? You know, like, especially like down where we were, it was just like, not, we were, just, you know. And so luckily, I mean, I just ended up, uh, I, I, said, I said something to my manager and he, he, he hit some people up and then we got our boy Keenan, Keenan Jupiter. Um, I, I forget the name of like the, the he's, a, he's associated with a group of writers in the city. Um, I should know the Iron Horse shit. Well, I'm blanking on the name, but Keenan Jupiter is his name and the horse is named Loyalty. So he really came through, man. It was such a sweet horse. <laughs> What's the story behind the song? Ah, no, well, you know, it's kind of just one of those tunes, man, that, so it came to me at different times. And then it all kind of formulated when I went to, I was doing a writing session with my guy, Dave Bassett in Malibu mm. and had all these little pieces. I don't know. Do you, do you write, my man? I, I write, Do you write yes. the songs? Yes, sir. you write the songs? So you know how a song can be, you know, you'll have like a piece, you'll have the verse mm -hmm. and you'll be like, all right, like, I don't know exactly what this is. With this tune, I had a lot of the music, basically just like the chord structure mm -hmm. and some of the hooks in the chorus. I had the all night long thing Ooh. and they got me feeling good, but I had, then I had this other completely other song that I was like working around with. And then I was, I just had this like lightning ball lightning lightning bolt moment where it was like these kind of these all these go together in this certain kind of way 
So it was one of those tunes that just kind of slowly found its place. Ah, yeah. I oh, love yeah. a good songwriting story. I love a good session story. <laughs> Dave, you have no idea. I don't. <laughs> a songwriter's phone with the notes and either a notepad, whatever. What you hear is the final version of a song 98% of the time is a bastardized version and a smushed together version of four different songs. Yes, I, I, I do that all the time. Most of the Same. time I'm pulling from, it's, a, it's basically like a revolving door from my past mm-hmm. to my present. So I'm like, I'm stealing from the things that I wrote in the past and putting the things that I wrote in the present. And, and it's like, you know, the thing is it works it works because I'm always kind of writing the same story and it's always just coming from me. I'm always, I don't know. It's just somehow it works. Sometimes it doesn't work, right. but you know, just also you probably know just like by doing it, you just notice these patterns yep. in your writing and you're like, okay, yeah. Like this, this little snippet here, that's for that. What's your And then the thing, puzzle starts. What's your thing? Because I, I brought this up on a previous episode, but I've always been told by my producers in Nashville that when I write songs, I'm either going somewhere or coming home. Like there's always that storyline throughout what I'm writing. What's your thing? What's your, what's your like your thing that you're always harping on? Oh, I feel like I've written a lot about just like personal pain. Mm. <laughs> honestly you know that's 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 been a thing you know whether it be just like internal suffering of of whatever kind of situation but then honestly i'll just say that this album was kind of like the the answer to all of that stuff mm. where it was like i needed i realized that me going out and putting myself in the time that I wrote the song and the, and the feeling that I had when I wrote that song was kind of not making me feel so great. Basically. It was just like, it was like, it was becoming this like almost like sickness or some kind of thing. I can't explain it, man. It was, it was weird. And so what I realized was just like, it was just like, I needed, I needed a break. I needed a little bit of a break. I needed to get some space, you know, here and there. But then I realized, I was like, you know what? Like, I'm going to make an album that is, that is basically like medicine for me. And hopefully that will resonate to the people who are listening. Because there's got to be some kind of common denominator here. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I love that. Yeah. So, so that was basically, that's what this was. It was like, all right, I want this to be deep. But I want it to also be one of those albums that you can just put on and feel good. And I'm, the other thing about it was I needed it to be one of those things where I could, every song live, I wanted it to be like the energy at a Bob Marley concert. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Where it's just like, it just takes you up there. And you, you literally, you're just permagrin the whole time. Hell so yeah. That was the vibe. Was this all predetermined prior to COVID or was this a COVID creation? Was this a situation this was where predetermined. you- yeah, oh, predetermined. Yeah, predetermined. This Hell was yeah. 2020 was going to be the where basically we were the band was going to tour for most of 2020 and then we were going to take about a year off mm. give or take and I was going to do this and then we were going to get back in the studio and do the thing 
that didn't really happen. <laughs> you the, know what I'm the, the eternal cycle of road album, road album, road. Album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now, so now it's a little bit of like more of like a mixed kind of bag. We're like our the band is going to do some road stuff. Um, I'm going to do some road stuff, and we're kind of just going to weave it, you know, in and out, which is it's just cool too. Yeah, I mean, you, dude, you're so you guys, the revivalist yourself, and like j- just you as a person, you're road people. You guys yeah. are you guys are one of those two hundred dates a year bands, and not I, anymore. Well, of course, <laughs> yo, that that's a thing that too. Shit, but, that shit got me, dude. Kidding Whew. me? Nice being at home, right? You you know you know you. I know you, that you, fucking you game, that. bro. Hell yeah, you know that game. It's you know weird. that game. That beginning part of quarantine, we came off the road because we were yep. on. We were finishing up a run when we when quarantine started. And for that first period of time, it was almost kind of nice to be like, wow, I don't have to be anywhere. I, or, I don't even have that pressure of like, God, we need to book something big or we need to, you know, get in contact with the right people. And now I'm just like, I'm scratching at the walls. I want to get Dude. out there. Dude, you, you're speaking my language. That's exactly how I felt. At, at, at the beginning of COVID, I was like, I felt, I was just like high. I felt like I was just high from like the, I don't know. And I, I want to say that with like, you know, very, you know, be like very sensitive because I know that it was a really terrible time for a lot of people. You know? Right. So, but for me personally, it was actually a really, it was good. It was a good thing for me, honestly, because yeah. we hadn't been, we hadn't taken any breaks. We hadn't done this. We hadn't, you know, it was just like, this is a forced break. And honestly, I feel like a time when I now looking back, and realizing all the things that I've realized over this year about myself, because hell, this was like a, this year was just like a full like class for me on self care and mm. self realization and all that shit, you know, because I had a lot of time just like sitting at home by myself, yeah. <laughs> you know, like out here in this studio, like, you know, just like figuring Bro, I, it out. I found that the beginning and like throughout quarantine, like, it's the first time in I graduated college like June January of 2015 since then that I've had a moment to actually sit with my own thoughts. Other than that, I've just been working my balls off. So like yep. from from your perspective, what was it like for your mental health not to be able to tour? Like was it ever was there ever a moment where you were like, "God, I can't believe I can't do this right now?" Or was it a situation where you took this completely on a positive note and you tried to figure more out about yourself? I, I honestly, I, I, it was, it was a positive for me because it was a big recharge. Mm. Um, I felt that my, I almost felt like that, like, you know, looking back now, I was like, my light was kind of dimming a bit. And now I feel like I'll be able to get out there and, you know, give people the, the fully charged up version of David Shaw, you know, as opposed to like the 68%, you know, battery life kind of vibe, you know? So like, now and now it's given me the clarity this this break has given me the clarity to realize like when that is occurring because i was just so in the we call it the tortex i was so locked into the tortex that nothing nothing was gonna you know break that 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 cycle you Mm -hmm. know and you know it's like my body also our, our bodies are amazing they'll fucking you know they'll fucking like you're breaking down, but guess what? You're fucking going out there and you're feeling yeah. no pain. You know what I'm saying? You might feel like shit in the morning, but you lay it all know, out there, they, dude. That's what you have to exactly, do. Exactly. 
it's nice for me from my perspective because when me and Dave started this podcast and Dave has no background in the music industry at all. at all. Some he loves music, but like he wanted to learn. And when I'm trying to explain to him what the past year has been like in different capacities for musicians, at the, in the beginning when we weren't working with other people and having other other musicians on, it was like kind of like I can't fully explain this. And then having yeah. someone like you come on, Dave, do you understand like it, what no, this shit yeah. is? Like I got so fucking lucky um, in many ways for, for my profession, but like you guys got gutted, man. And, and we talked about this a few weeks back. Um, it, it's not just like the musicians that got gutted. There's a huge trickle down event uh, effect. Like, the, oh yeah. The venues, the bus boys, venues, the people across the street from that sell coffee, you know, exactly. You're so right, man. It, it, like, so I, I empathize, but I can't personally feel it because I got as like I'm the luckiest person on earth, I think. Um, but like, fuck, man. But I mean, you used it as a positive, though. Right? <laughs> you 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 hit the reset. Button. I really did, you know, because there's yeah, there's no. I'm just not the type of person to, you know, look at my situation and go well shit you know i'm i'm just i'm down and i'm gonna stay down you know like it's just i gotta always i gotta try to find that silver lining and you know i'm about to, I'm about to take notes i'm about to take notes right now because it sounds like the beginnings of a good song i have to be completely I, I was, I was <laughs> right there i was about yeah. to say that yeah you so, know I, I mean yeah go ahead no, i'm sorry I, I just i just wanted to ask too like after listening to a couple of the first singles I thought I thought that um, Heavy Soul felt like it could have been a revivalist song. It felt like that that to me was set up and produced a little bit more like a revivalist song. And then I thought got got me feeling good. It reminded me a lot of a G Love song, and I mean that in the most positive way possible because that's like I love G Love. What's different about this than a revivalist record? You know, that's something that I've kind of you know asked myself, and I I think there's I mean there's there's obvious there's some obvious similarities just because I'm you know the main songwriter in the band like well, yeah. so there will there will be that but I think really it was just like the main thing for me was to be able to grow in a different way that then a band culture kind of fosters mm. it was kind of like a it was just like all right like. Cause it, it was it always, it was always a question in my head, you know, I'm a band guy through and through, mm. but it was always like this like question that just kept coming up to me, you know, kept coming up and call it my ego, call it, call it whatever, you know, it was there and it wasn't going away. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, rather than, you know, get past the point, you know, in my physicality to where like, I'm like, ah, I just can't even do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? What do, you know, like, I was like, you know, I, I need to, I need to do this now, you know, and figure it out, grow in ways that I need to grow, figure out like, man, is this something I love to do? Do I want to do more of this? You know, do I want to like, really just like really keep it like a, a two prong thing, you know, mm. going forward, like kind of like how, like, I don't know, Trey does Trey band and he has fish and Jim James does my morning jacket oh, yeah. and has Jim James. Like I, you know, I, I don't, I, I'm still finding all that out. Of course. This is like very much a, a learning process for me, but you know, so there's, I think there's some similarities there, but also like, 
I've I've got a lot of love for like that like West Coast music like mm. uh, like Sublime and you just talking Dave's language, bro. You know, you just had you know, so like Buddy B on actually two yeah episode drop yeah. You know what I'm saying? So like, there's a lot of that kind in there that that our band doesn't really delve into that much. Um, so there's there's that, and then also I'll just say that. Um, I do a lot of co-writing. I write by myself a lot, and I also do a lot of co-writing. And I didn't, I don't want to, um, you know, I don't want to be bringing a ton of co-written songs into the revivalists. It just right. doesn't feel like the identity of the band. For Few sure. here and there, cool. You know, but like, it's like the, the, the band has always kind of been more of a place for like, that like a song that i've written it just come fully from me or a song's come fully from zach or you know what i'm saying or andrew so like i had all these songs you know that i had written with other people and it was just like all right like you know i'm just gonna i'm gonna do this and i'm gonna grow in other ways and we'll see how it goes i mean uh, what i basically what i was wanting to get out of once you started talking was expressing part of yourself that you can't express in your band because it's yeah. just like there is a vibe to one thing. Exactly. I know for myself, what I did, uh, I went down to Nashville. I cut a solo EP that I haven't put out yet. But I worked in Nashville with some great session guys. And yep. Foxtrot doesn't have these country-ish Americana elements. But I wanted to do exactly. it straight up. I want lap steals. I want shit like that. So it's really cool to hear the, the intention behind it. Absolutely, man. And yeah, I'm, Yes. I'm excited to hear what comes out of the record, dude, because I love your music. I love the revivalist, and you're just a fucking you're a, you're an energy plant, bro. You have so oh, much dude. energy, you have so much to give. <laughs> dude, thank you, man. I mean, this was yeah. I mean, shit. I I I was um it's funny. Uh I don't really smoke right now. Mm. I don't smoke. I in today's 420, you know. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny. So like this whole day, I've been like you know, just like reminiscing on, on, on that, on that. And so I don't know. I, I do feel, I feel like a great energy and I, and I just think it's like, it's like the, I don't know. It's like the, it's the energy of this date or so. I don't know. You know, like <laughs> you got the 420 coming. vibes, bro. <laughs> Dude, I know, I know before I just, we, no, after you go ahead, go ahead. No, I just it's 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 funny, man, because like all day I've just felt like really laid back. <laughs> and I didn't even smoke today. <laughs> it's all residual, bro. It's all We're residual. On, uh, you you know the band AWOL Nation? Oh yeah. So our uh, co-host, he's not here right now, it's Kenny Carkey of AWOL, formerly of AWOL Nation. He's not with them anymore. But um I was texting Colin prior to the show hopping on. I'm like, hey, is Kenny, is he doing this interview? And he's like, no, it's 420. Like, don't even bother. Like, it's 420. Kenny's not coming on today, bro. Kenny's busy. Like, he's in his room. I could only imagine what him and Duddy are doing right now. I assume yeah. that both of them are just on a different planet. Yeah. Good for Dab them. Dab they Dabbed Dab out, bro. <laughs> it's not my bag. The funny thing is we have a studio session after this in Philadelphia. So I'm going to meet the band after this. There's six of us. One of us smokes weed, and it's my cousin Eric. So I'm just assuming when I get to the studio, Eric is just going to be 
shit's gonna be up here. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta meet them where they're at, you know. So I gotta figure know, something out, bro. It could be good. It, you could get some good shit, man. We're gonna get some trippy shit out of this. Now, I, now I, I know think before, that's great. Now, before we let you go, there was a, a couple of things. I know Dave has a couple rapid fire questions he wanted to ask you, well, but there was something. Let's hit it. There was something we found out that I, I do have a question about. So you have a pair of pants in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Yeah, I was just about to ask. I do. I do. I <laughs> what do. the fuck is that about? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, um, crazy, man. They, uh, they actually have... It's a, I'll, I'll just tell you, they're actually my cousin's pants. They're not Ooh. even my pants. They're Ooh. my cousin's pants. They know this. <laughs> Hot scoop. Well, they... they 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 know it, but I mean they were I was wearing them that day. Uh, okay. So I'll just tell you they 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 hit us up um about um any kind of like memorable shows that we had had played that you know had any kind of like memorable memorable yeah memorabilia. Did I just say that right? <laughs> it's close memorabilia. Enough, it's memorabilia. Nobody knows. <laughs> yeah, nobody knows. Um, so so we were so there was this one show that we played in Okeechobee Fest. Hmm. Um, Okeechobee, Florida. It was Okeechobee Fest. I think it was 2017. And it's crazy, man. I was like out. It was like a, it was one of those festivals where it was fucking packed. It was like first year and the shit just blew up, you know? We're, we're like mid, midday. Sun's fucking beating down on us. Um, I'm wearing these like, they got flowers all over these pants. They're like, they're like yoga pants. I'm like, I like it. I was, it was so fucking hot. I was like, I'm going on stage in yoga pants and that's it. I don't care. I don't give a shit. It was like yoga pants and Doc Martens. That's what I was wearing. Rockstar shit. And, uh, and I'm out in front. I'm out in the middle, you know, the divider where it divides up. people. I'm out there and I'm talking to, I'm talking, I, I'm singing, you know, doing my thing. And I start running back and I fucking hit something. Took a fucking tumble, dude. <laughs> Get up, brush myself off, run back up to the stage. And I go, we go into, I think it was, it was a sin, I think. And, or, or fade away, one of the two. Um, and all of a sudden, I just see people start pointing at me. Like, hey, hey. I'm like, what i'm like fuck did i forget it did i just go to start seeing the second verse in the first <laughs> verse or some shit <laughs> and because uh, that happens uh, but no it was and then i tasted it man and it was fucking just blood started just fucking gushing 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 it was like it was like i was fucking Iggy Pop or some shit in the seventies or Mel it was like my Mel Gibson this from Braveheart is moment star shit right here dude it was insane. Full fucking, I mean, dude, it was like, I'm, we're talking like how many cow stitches? pissing on how a many flat sti- rock. How many stitches? Eight. 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 Hell yeah. Eight. Yeah, it was pretty wild. And uh, yeah, that's how they got, that, that's, that's how those pants got in there. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good enough reason. There's some blood on them, I think, too. So it's, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's good. It's not sanitary, but it's cool. You know, there's a funny story about that too. I I, I won't be too long. No, we have to. Get uh, a girl, uh, uh, somebody from uh, Live for Live Music wrote a wrote a uh, an April Fool's joke about me getting mauled by a tiger on stage <laughs> <laughs> and put those pictures in, basically. And dude, you would not believe how many people ask me to this day, dude. What about 
how did you got mauled by a tiger on stage? Because <laughs> she she only she doesn't she doesn't tell you it's an April Fool's joke. Yeah. She just it's just the date there. So it's like it's fucking it is it's good. Sometimes I tell them the truth. Sometimes I'm just like, yeah, dude. Hell yeah, dude. dude I, got I, got fucking, dude. Okay. I got hit by a tiger. I can totally fuck me up. You know, gotta take that to the grave. From now on, nobody knows that was an April Fool's joke. Just let, it, just let it Mike Tyson right, Tiger so, got you, bro. Exactly, dude. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Crazy. So, like, anyhow, wrap the interviews up with a couple of uh, rapid fire questions. And um, my first one is this: Has anybody ever told you you look like Matthew McConaughey? Oh wow. That's a pretty um, compliment. I've heard it one other time, but I'll take it, brother. See, I, that's really funny, though, because I was going to say you got a real McConaughey vibe, and that is a high compliment. It's not even just how you look. You do look like him, I think. You got, a, you got the McConaughey swag. You do got that McConaughey Man. swag. Wow. We uh, really, I love you guys. We really want you to be a part of the video series. So <laughs> me and David have been texting each other the whole time, like, yo, how can we who, who, like, hook you up with it? <laughs> Dude, dude, you know what's great? You, it's fucking hilarious that you mentioned him too. It's, uh, I just watched a video right before this podcast. McConaughey and Snoop singing oh, yeah. on the road, singing on the road again so in their right. fucking car, dude. It's fucking great, man. Dude, if you haven't yet, I just read his book. It's awesome. He just said he's going to run for governor of Texas. I think. Fuck I, yeah! Let's go. I love him. I love him to death. I would. I told very- if I lived in Texas. Tell yeah, him to come to I Philly. Would. Tell him to come to Philly. Tell him to come to Pennsylvania. You can run my state. I don't Fuck care. Yeah. You can run Chicago, actually. You can run Chicago. He would fix it in, like, overnight. Uh, next one. I don't know what the fuck these two things are, really. Uh, Cajun or Creole? Cajun or Creole? Creole. What, what's the difference? Like, all I know is, like, Cajun. Um, like Cajun you know? Food. Oh, man. That's a tough. Uh, so. <laughs> it's one of those things that you know it if you see it. Right, it's like kind of like you know it if you see it. Yeah, that's tough. I'm gonna have to look that up. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll have to follow up on this one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, are you a are you a Saints fan or are you like a Browns fan? Um, well, I grew up in Cincinnati, so oh, I would have been a Bengals fan. But I'm a Bengals boy. But but. But I would say I'm a Saints fan, for sure. Okay, so Sean Payton or Drew Brees? Like, gun to head, you had to pick one. The other one, like, vanishes from the face of the earth. Man, people are going to disown me for saying this, but Sean Payton. Ooh. Well, I mean, you still have Sean Payton, so there you go. I mean, I love Drew Brees, but, like, I I, I like Sean Payton for a few reasons. (laughs) Have you ever met Sean Payton? I have not. I have not. I heard he hangs out in like dot. What's a what's a main street? Uh, Can it, uh Bourbon? Bourbon Street. Oh, Bourbon Street. What am I saying? Yeah, Bourbon Street. Like <laughs> off of Bourbon Street, there's like dive bars. I heard he hangs out like Frenchman. He's, he's, he's been he's been known he's been known to frequent a few of those. Seems he's like he's in trouble too. <laughs> seems like he tips a few back. I can hang yeah. out with Sean Payton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He gets yeah, he, yeah. Oh yeah. And then uh, the last one I got, this isn't really rapid fire. So I got a white whale guest Um, about a year, probably a little over a year ago. I I still like one of my favorite genre styles of music is like Louisiana blues, whether it's old school, new school. 
whatever. Yeah. I love it. I like guitar, guitar driven bluesy music. That's my shit. And there's this dude that he's starting to duck us. So he's kind of on my shit list now because I'm a petty asshole. But his name's Eric Lindell. Have you heard of him? Eric, Eric Lindell. Lindell. Yeah, I know Eric Lindell very well. Yeah. Uh, he's in the band Dragonstone now. Dragon, um, Dragon so, Smoke. Dra I, dude, I, you do I, that I, every time, bro. Maybe that's, why, maybe that's why he's ducking you, bro. Ooh, I mean, you're called Dragon. You call it Dragonstone. It's Game of Thrones. Like, Stop watching Game of Thrones. <laughs> what's his deal? Like, why is he not more well known? Because I think his music is awesome. It's so yeah. Great. He's he's great, man. He's awesome. Um, you know, I, I that's just one of those things where you just it's I don't know. And I think he's very I think he's very well known, like regionally, right? But it, you know, as far as you know, and also I think he has like his pockets where he's very well known. But yeah, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I think he should be for everyone sure. Ha the everyone has their moment, bro. You never know. It could be five years from now and all of a sudden he's just popping That's true. Yeah. That's it. Older That's guy, true. Like he's like, like in his fifties, I want to say. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. He's got, you know, he's got some kids. He's, he's a, he's a, yeah, he's, he's been doing it. He's he has been doing it. You, dude, he's straight by you. There's two names yeah, I want to throw out there time. when you think when you think about this. When you think about all right, somebody's a little bit older, think about Lee Fields and think about Char or Charles Bradley. Yep. Those guys Dude. were pushing pushing 70 almost, and then all of a sudden, yep. boom. Who knows, boom. man? You never fucking know. By the way, you Dick, you don't know, know. if you don't know Lee Fields or Charles Bradley, take a time, bro. Cause that that's oh that's yeah, for sure. Lee Lee Fields actually opened up for opened for us in uh God. Las Vegas. I love Lee Fields, man. Dude, what a show. What a showman. Oh my God. We have a the buddy. Dude. We have Ooh. a buddy of ours from Philly who played bass for him on a couple European tours. And uh I I love Lee Fields and the dude. expressions. Let's go. Yeah, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Dude. I uh we saw uh, man, I saw Charles Bradley. Let's see here. I saw Charles Bradley on uh Jam Cruise. Ooh. It was right when he it was like the it was one of those like that first record that came out that kind of like popped him. And dude, he was like it was amazing the way he moved and the way he like I mean he did a split on stage and like dropped the mic down. I mean, it was like this dude was like moving like a fucking 20 year old and he's like 65 and he was sweating his fucking ass off. And it was just like, <laughs> Oh, it was amazing, dude. Some people are just born to do it. And David, you are one of those people, my man. And we really like, cannot thank you enough for being here today. Dude. Thank you guys. Thanks for having me. This was no a, problem. this was a, this is a great combo. Now I will say this. You, you are contractually obligated. This is a verbal contract. You have to help Dave. You have to help. I say it publicly now. Yep. What do you need, man? What do you need? I need that guitar that you were showing off before. <laughs> uh, we oh, before. Shit. And we're going to just sit in this little, you said this is in your backyard. You got a little uh, studio in your backyard. Ooh, the little, oh, a little cigar this box. Is, this is what you need, bro. It's a little out of tune, but. It's all good. This sounds fucking great. Well, what we're going to have you do, we are finding different people to teach Dave different things. We're going to cross yes. paths at some point in the next year. You're our stage presence yes. guy. And you are our stage it, presence guy. I just decided we're going to throw a festival with all the bands. So we're talking OAR, Foo Fighters, <laughs> Revivalists, 
Uh, Corey Wong. Let's do it. Yeah, Wolfpack. Thirty um, heads. Let's do it. Three heads, and we're just gonna throw a festival. Like, no, it'll be like Woodstock. We'll just like find a cornfield somewhere. And the best part Dude. is, Dave is Dave is gonna headline it and disappoint everybody. It's gonna everybody. be amazing. That's what I do. I do That's right. That's right. Dave, you, Dave. No, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna get you, whip you into shape, and it's gonna be it's gonna be your fucking coming out, and it's gonna be amazing. I fucking. <laughs> David Shaw, ladies and gentlemen. David, thank you so much. Everybody, go check out the album, May 7th. I'm I'm correct, right? Yep, you're correct. You got it. You got it. David Shaw, thank you very much. All right, so that was our interview with David Shaw. Great guy. Go check out the new album that's dropping on May 7th. Great fucking guy. Awesome interview. Uh, way more positive energy than I was I was going into the interview with. He's a he's a fucking seriously optimistic human being. Dave, great guy, right? Yeah, loved everything about him. Uh, real cool vibe. Um, I didn't know what to expect. Like like you said just then, um, you don't know what you're ever getting into with guys. You you know you're interviewing that you don't know, but super down to earth, super funny, real laid back. Puts out awesome fucking music, and uh, it was awesome having him. Yeah, go check out the video that we were talking about, too, of the of the roller skaters. It's an awesome video. So shout out to David Shaw. Thank you for coming on, my man. Uh, we are not doing a pick of the week this week. What we are going to do, we have Rob Ficar here, and it's something we've been talking about off air a lot, but the crews are have also been affected by quarantine, obviously. The people who work behind the scenes, they do front of the house, they do lights, they run Probably merch, more they manage so. tours. More so, absolutely. They, they don't have, like, content to put out. They're not exactly, like capitalizing off this at all and we were talking to rob and rob was like dude i got stories for days rob's like i got great stories so rob's on today give every me every crew guy has stories every i'm sure, crew guy I'm has sure you got stories i'm sure kenny's got stories honestly i sort of wanted to start this start this off and ask dave what he thinks tour is like and then mm. we can come back and tell him what it's actually like i mean so who are we talking? Are we talking like up and coming bands like Foxtrot and the Get Down? Or are we talking like Foo Fighters? Any of it. Honest to God. Because honestly, there's similarities between the two of them that are so fucking crazy. You would think that they would go away as you got bigger and they stay the same just on a fucking bigger level. It's the same bullshit whether you're playing for 10 people or 100,000. Okay, let me ask you Let me ask you guys this. How often, like I think it was like a Geico commercial or something where um, – it was like a fake rock band and he's like we love you detroit and then some guy whispers actually you're in chicago Uh, like do you actually forget like where you are at times like i can say straight away that in my last band fitness i had to every night on the set list put at the top the name of the city the radio station that was promoting it and like all this different shit and it was the only way he would know what city we were in every set li- every set list i make every single day in the biggest letters in the world i put the venue and i put the fucking uh city we're in mm-hmm. and like i'll put i'll put the day i'll put it's sunday i'll put every i'll put it's friday so you can be like hey guys fucking weekend because we yeah. have no idea we don't like Monday week, Tuesday. everything week just blends together right? yeah. well, see the oh. biggest trip is that once you get past the van touring and you get into the bus you drive at night while you're mm. sleeping so literally you go to sleep in a parking lot still and you wake up in another parking lot still just in a different city mm-hmm. so you're like wait Oh fuck! It's Fenway. I'm in Boston. You know what I mean, yeah. like that kind of shit. Dude, I have I have a great like sleeping story. We were in Akron, Ohio. We had driven overnight. We had a uh, a radio spot in the morning, and I don't know what's going on with Ohio, but it is like the allergy capital of the world. And like my my throat like clo- I couldn't sing. I couldn't do shit. 
So we finished doing what we're doing. We have to get to the next city. And I was driving. We're still van, like car situation at this point. And uh, I was like, Eric, you got to take the wheel, dude. I took Benadryl on passing out. Like, you got to take the wheel. He was extremely tired, too. He's got two 48-ounce Red Bulls. He's like, I got this shit. We're getting to the next city. I woke up in a parking lot four hours later. We had gone two feet. Eric passed out, too. We just fell asleep in a Taco Bell parking lot. I woke up, and I was like, what city are we in? Dude, he goes, Akron. I was like, what do you mean we're in Akron? We we were in Akron, like, yesterday. He goes, yeah, I fucking fell asleep, dude. I drank that Red Bull and fell right asleep. So that shit really happened. You don't that, know. I I went. I literally did a show or three shows in a row on separate tours in Eugene, Oregon. And the next tour I was on, I had a day off. And I was walking down the street. And literally, I did not know I had ever really been to Eugene, Oregon. I went from the bus to the parking lot to the venue and back and forth. And finally, I was on a day off walking down the street, and I was like, oh, I've slept in this parking lot before. Mm-hmm. I've, been, I've been to this venue. And I was like, holy shit. This is a really cool thing. A lot of times the venues are not in the city. A lot of times mm-hmm. they're outside of the city and you don't really have a way to get to the city, especially before Uber and shit like that. So like, you're like, man, fucking like, I remember Milan, Italy of all places. I did like a show in the, in the, like the fucking industrial park. And, and like, I only spent the day in the industrial park and I'm like, this place fucking sucks. What a shithole. <laughs> Went back to Milan, had a day off there and you're like, oh. This place rules, you know, Dude, Milan. <laughs> that's a big thing, too. Like, there's so many cities that I've been to that I was there for like six hours. And like, so I can say that I've been there and they're like, oh, what's Birmingham, Alabama? Like, I'm like, I don't know. They have a giant Chick-fil-A uh, and then they have a venue. That's all I know. Dude, I was like, in Paris. I was a mile from the Eiffel Tower. Didn't see it. Really? Didn't see it. Never, yeah, been, never, never been to Paris before. Never been since. They're also work days. That's the other thing. It's like yep. all my friends would be like, bro, I'm here at 2.30. What are you doing? And it's like, I'm fucking working. I literally work from the moment I wake up, setting up the shit, downloading all the drives, backing shit up, running sound check. You know, then I have a minute to eat and then I'm back to do meet and greet, back to do interview. My friends get all mad at me. He's like, bro, I came all this way. You're like, I don't go to your fucking office yeah. and be like, yo, I'm outside the front door. Let's kick it. You I kind of 8, 8 a.m. load-ins, 12 o'clock load-ins. Like, I, like a pop, pop tours, it's like you're you're chalking at 8 a.m. You're coming in. You're setting lights. You're making sure the rigging right sit, shit set. That's 8 in the morning. You're fucking telling me I got a 9.30 p.m. set that night. I'm literally fucking doing something all day. And then I break yep. down, and then I, I'm, I hope I'm in my bunk by midnight. And like, if you're you also still have to decompress. Like that's the thing mm, that people yeah, don't realize. Sure. You got to decompress, but then you got to fucking do it again at either eight or noon. Like noon on the regular, like normal theater tours. Like noon's great load in, but still, you're like, dude, what? The fuck? Why? This is why so many musicians smoke because you have you have downtime, but you're also your brain is racing and you have nothing to do with your hands. So it's also like that's why you see so many musicians like smoking outside venues because like you're literally just like my brain's going to mile a minute. I have nothing to do with my body. I just need to do something that's like a legit thing and i think too like rob you mentioned like the load in for a bigger tour do you prefer working like more club gigs or bigger stuff uh it really depends on the gig when i was with fifth harmony it was super cush i was just their backline tech i had three instruments to set up and maintain on a full pop tour and Jesus. i had a bunch of people to help it was the shit but like club tours when you get a, like a small crew and you got a couple thousand people like they're fun they're intimate you get to like really work with people and like you develop a relationship with the crew. Like a big pop tour, there was like 18 of us. We had like 30 hands a day. We were two semi-trucks. Like it was it was nuts. And I'm sure Kenny, I mean, fucking AWOL tours had to have been insane. Yeah, were, Kenny, yeah. were you guys a semi-band? Did you guys have like semis bringing yeah. your gear? 
We had, uh, by the time I left, we had two slider buses and a semi going everywhere, which was like, that was the biggest, listen, for all the shittiness of tour, that was where it really changed for us. First, it's getting a bus. Then it's getting another bus, right? Where it's like six people on the band bus, six people on the, on the crew bus. And and everybody has like condo bunks and like, that's when it really starts to get pretty Like, like most bands that I'm with, we're, we're 12 guys in the sardine can. Like a bus is great. It's definitely not being in a van, but there's also something said about the van when you got a hotel room and you can, dude, you could shower every day. You know where you're like to get back to Dave shitting himself. You know where you're gonna poop. <laughs> like, Twelve people it's, stink. It's a real thing. Twelve people's fucking stink and sweat after working all day in an amphitheater in 112 degree weather with no room to shower, and then back on the bus, and you're like, it gets pretty fucking gross. Shoe, shoes, to the shoe, shoes. Bunk, bunk yeah, alley. Yeah, yeah. Bunk alley is just. Like, I've thrown shoes out of the bus window before and not given a fuck. These are gone. Every tour Tons. I go on, I go to the dollar store and get the little deodorant balls that are like the size of ping pong mm-hmm. balls. And I'm the guy that I'm dropping them in shoes. If I install yeah. your shoes, I you always in, bring the uh, bounce uh, laundry detergent, the fabric softeners. Yeah. I put those in all the shoes and shit and people's bunks and stuff like that. But Rob's a G. Rob's over here running everything. All right. So you, you're talking about like the, the club tours and everything like that. I want some stories, some susp- like specific stories. Dave, is there anything you want to know? Like, is there any like, because I know we've, we've, we asked you like kind of like what's your impression of tour? Before we get into stories, is there anything else that you had specifically you wanted to ask? No, I mean, I think that a lot of it will come out naturally as as episodes go on. Um, so nothing specific, but... Dave, I'm going to be uh, your tour manager. When you start to go out and do yeah, shows, you're I'm, just, I'm just going to be the guy. I, you're like, you're, you're going to hate me. You're not going to like me. Nobody likes a tour manager. You ask me anything, uh, I'm going okay, to we'll tell you to check Master Tour, and then I'm not going to have it updated for you in time. So oh, my God. I'll never fucking. Uh, it's the best thing in the world. That's the most honest, true statement I've ever heard in my whole fucking life. My favorite TM that I ever had is a guy named Coach who was with us for like the last several years, and it's always, Coach, what's the thing, 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 whatever? And he goes, Master Tour. Master tour, master tour. You're like, fuck you. Just tell me, bro. No, I do. You, you, you asked me to do this shit. I got to sit there. It's a shitty fucking program. I'd rather just print a fucking day sheet and tape it up on the wall. Here's it's a an funny awful story. program. But fuck. going back to what he's saying, this guy coach, shout out to Dan McKay and Finless Skateboards, his new company that he pivoted to during the pandemic. Um, he, he does like Queens of the Stone Age and AWOL and a whole bunch of other people. Anyway, I did a tour with a band called uh, Billy Talent. We were opening for Billy Talent, like a punk rock band from Canada. Shout out Canada. Coach was the TM for Billy Talent. Scariest motherfucker I've ever seen in my life. I was so afraid to talk to him because also he was like the TM for the headliner. So kind of he's the boss of the whole tour, mm. you know? So like a tough guy, tattoos and all this shit. And you're kind of afraid of him. Then he became our tour manager and he became one of my best friends. I love him to death. There you go. TMs, dude, they're, you, they're like, they're, I would die without your good TM. And, and as you progress on and you have good TMs and bad TMs, Man, when you get a good one, you never let him oh, go. Oh, Kenny, you want to talk about good and bad? I got something that you'll like. Good and bad drivers. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> good and See, bad like, bus drivers. Like, okay, it's four in the morning, and I'm about to fall asleep, and you hear the rumble strips. You're like, bro, what the fuck? This guy's turning. The glasses are fucking. Then you have good drivers where you're like, I never felt a fucking thing. Didn't even know I was moving. Don't even wake up till you get there. Dude, I had I, I had a fucking uh, nine hundred pound Australian driver one time, biggest slob in the world. But like, he was like, there'd be fans at the fucking door of the bus, fucking banging on it. And he would go step outside and be like, 
nobody fucking make a line over here, blah, blah. And you're like, my man, that's what I'm talking about. Like, kind of like protecting us and like, it was not, which is not part of his job, you know? There's I, li I literally have a speedometer on my phone. I literally have it open all night while I'm sleeping to make sure they're not going over 65 because yep. if you bring a bus over 65, like you're sleep. I've been thrown from my bunk into bunk alley on a top bunk, like from my sleep. Like yeah, it yep. is, you get a bad driver, it is the, it'll, it'll make or break a fucking tour. I enjoy hearing the stories from people that have had bus experience and have lived like the cushier side. They have semis and shit. 99.9% .9 of my shit has been legitimately we're driving everywhere. We're living, we're living out of fucking shitholes. Like this is fun for me to hear Kenny's experience because it's how the other half lives. If but I bro, can tell I... you though, so so after all my years in AWOL and getting to that fucking level and playing arenas and shit, I went back to nothing with fitness started from scratch me and the dude from ETH six and our first big tour was seven weeks in a minivan 8,000 miles in philly in every chicago in everywhere and it was one of the most fun fucking experiences i had ever had because you take for granted all of this yeah. shit that goes in it with your homies in the fucking van listening to tunes the it's right playlist you, you know what i mean so like it's there's good and bad of both of them honestly. listen if it wasn't for that scenario i wouldn't be sitting here talking to dave right now because on those long rides we had two different setups where we put like the people that were the moron jock idiots in one 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 of the rides and that was me ken and eric and uh ken turned me on to pardon my take which is a barstool podcast i got addicted to that fell in love with the barstool situation and now and then i started working with dave and that's how this all happened tour is a magical thing but it's also a bitch it's it's also a fucking full-on pain in the ass i love van tours like like the x the la punk band i do x they're older they've been touring for 45 years like billy zoom Jesus. the guitar player is 74 years old he shreds he's like look up x if you haven't heard him shout out to the guys and girl xine too xine just shreds he was literally one of the punk rock queens of the 80s they tour in vans and we all get our own hotel room every night, and we have a four o'clock load in, and it is the cushy. We go out to breakfast. It's just cushy, and it's like, yeah. Sometimes I don't want to have to do that six-hour drive. I don't. But then I get to my hotel room by myself, with nobody else around me. I have a shower. I have all of these things. I can go eat wherever I want. I don't have to see you. Like, right, yeah. I love my tour mates. I love the people that I tour with. We it becomes a family, but it becomes a family to the point where you, yeah, you want to kill dude, each other too. Oh yeah, yeah. you're shit. Like, fucking push your dishes away. Put your shoes away. Like, I love you. So having that side of things, too, it's like, I I love a van tour. You get to see the country. That's when you see shit. That's the only time you see shit, man. And the yeah. best jokes ever. Oh, ever. yeah. The best. I can't wait for tour again because I'm excited to just put a laptop in the center console and do podcasts live from the car. We've tried this before, and it is incredibly dangerous. I shouldn't be saying this live, but, like, legitimately putting a microphone in the driver's mouth, that's going to be fun content. The, that kind of tour shit, putting real content. That yeah. would be the realest shit, and I'm excited for that. We 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 had a photo shoot last year where like uh, this was during quarantine, but like we did the podcast live from what we called it the gear car, and it was a shit show and it was hilarious. But the car is where like all all the fun stuff on tour happens like that. But Van, Rob, like Van tours are eighty percent into the realest thing. Rob, I do have a question, so let's go more specifics here. Give me one of your biggest crew horror stories. The biggest crew horror story, actually. All right, so. Talking Canada again, Vancouver. We, I'm with the Expendables. We get to the border, and they ask for a full list of every single piece of things that we have on the bus. Every single thing. A car? Literally every single one. So we had, we handed them the one we had. 
they didn't believe that that's what it was and made us open the trailer, write down every serial number on every piece of gear before we could get across the border. So it took a long time. You, you tell you tell them you're giving away your T-shirts. None of the merch is for sale. It's never for sale at the border. You're always giving away your shirts because then they're going to want a tax on it. They tried uh, to get us to pay a tax on the value of all of our gear because they weren't sure what we were actually doing with it. We're in a fucking tour bus. We're in a bus driving across the border. So we do all that. We get it going. We're late for loading, all this fun stuff. We get to the venue. We have zero loaders. The elevator's broken, and it's two flights of stairs. Oh, my God. It was to the point where I had to go to the band and be like, hey, guys, um, wake the fuck up, and you're helping me carry your shit up the stairs today because today sucked, and I'm not fucking doing it. And our tour manager had a felony, so he had to stay in Seattle. So we were down a man, too. So I was running the show. It was me, Carlos, and our merch guy, Jordan. And we literally had to tell the guys, like, you're, you're fucking helping. Like, this is going to suck. And all the guys were like, normally, like, Raul had a crazy rig, like, two amp switchers, like, cabs, everything. And they were like, okay, just take the head and the cab out of the road case. We'll carry those up. No road cases stay down. And I was like, dude, this show better have. There were 10 people. Yeah. Oh, it had it had just snowed, so it was nobody was going out. Nobody you want was going to see out. a reggae show in the snow does not even seem like a. It, it was it right. was like the roads weren't even like cleared. Like we were like pushing stuff through snow and stuff. It was it was the it was one of the worst days of my life, and it was like very snowy tour the whole tour anyway. And it was one of those days where I'm like carrying gear up, just like I don't care. I I don't I don't <laughs> to, I don't care. And to our listeners, that's a fucking Thursday. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. That's some norm. That's some shit. That's like, that yep. fucking sucks. And have you I, ever played? I, the, I ever played the shelter in Detroit where the eight mile thing is? Yeah. Down yes, the, I down, fucking have. Down down the back stairs where yes. a fucking an an Ampeg cab doesn't fit down that. You have to lift it over the railing because the fucking handrail is in the way. And I'm like, hey, can we take this off? And they're like, no. And I'm like. Yeah, we can. It's in the yeah, way. I have a drill. Like, um, can we take this off? Why is this here? Like, it's the emergency exit. I'm like, all right, hold on, real quick. An- another death trap trap load in venue. Smith's old bar in Atlanta. I don't know if you guys have ever played here. Smith's has a downstairs, a middle, and an upstairs. And the only way to load in the upstairs is through a back alley, and it's a fire escape. Wait, did that to... used to be the masquerade? No, the masquerade's a different one. They had heaven, hell, and purgatory. So because Smith's... they well, because they moved though. Yeah, no, Smith's okay. is a whole other spot. Smith's is in like Midtown. It's a fucking sick place, by the okay. way. It's a great, great spot. We played a couple times, but you'll watch bands loading up that back, and legitimately they're trying to get cabs up this fucking thing. They got two guys trying to lift it up. Death trap, dude. Milk Boy in Philadelphia. Kenny, you've ever done Milk Boy? Was one of the last places I played with fitness, bro. Up those bro, fucking stairs, stairs, dude. God damn it. Yo, no parking either. Nope. Milk Boy's right at 13th and Chestnut in Philadelphia. It's one of our home venues. There. Dude, another death trap. Second second level venues without elevators, death trap. Every and single I love time. I love Kenny that you went from from being an artist in a in a semi touring band, like using semis, to a van moving your own shit. Like that, yeah, yeah, yeah. that just and shows you on that shows you honestly, God, just like like we don't do this necessarily for the fame or the money or all that stuff. I mean, obviously, I don't, I'm not playing, but it's like 
people ask like why i i do this and all that stuff and it's like you're gone from home the pay might not necessarily be the greatest it's like dude like doing a show every night whether you're physically playing or whether you're working the show it's fucking magical like those oh, people like, are there to have a like great what time rob was saying about the the family it's like every person has such an integral part of that show and every night when that fucking show rips and the crowd fucking loses it and the floors are disgusting and everybody rages and then everybody's eating pizza and drinking after and like yep. do it again tomorrow son do it again the next day son like it's just such a like me me, me and some of my tournaments like we like, we do load-ins and stuff and we'll like we'll set a timer and be like oh yo how fast from trailer open to line check and like there's been bands we've, we've done it less than a half hour and like it's yeah. fucking great and, like hey guys let's go smoke a bowl and get some coffee real fast we got time. Right. yeah and like those I are your buddies most of my favorite times in music are like just like after show and you're just like basking in the glory of what just happened and then you remembered oh my god i have to drive eight hours overnight to get to the next place you know what i mean like to a sane person to a normal person this all sounds like hell like if you like i've always explained this to half my friends i'll be like how was tour be like i slept like three fucking hours the entire time but then but then think of the mindset and then think of the friends that you've made you all have or have that mindset like every like from other bands everybody that's out there is for the same goal might be for a different team but they're for the same goal i've made some of the greatest friends of my entire life from bands that i randomly got put on a tour with when you're in survival mode with people yeah that's when you become fucking homies you Mm. know i mean that's the realest shit and i think too like I've always found it interesting because Kenny with AWOL, you guys really didn't have a middle step. Did you? like you guys kind of like went from being like nothing to this meteoric thing. Like when you were on the road, because I know it took a little while for like sale and things like it that to really catch. So fast. We, 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 we started, I, I think I've told this before. We're like, when we started playing shows, like sale was blowing up on the radio before we had a band, we had to put together a band quickly and start rehearsing and go out and play these shows. We didn't, I didn't own a guitar. I didn't own a keyboard. We didn't own a drum kit. We're all poor fucking kids who made some songs in the studio. And so we had to rent gear everywhere and fly in and all this shit. Then it got to like a minivan. And then, I mean, within like half of one tour, it went to a bus and then box truck and it just so went so you fast. You had to rent gear everywhere. I would have every, every night different gear, I different guitars. Exactly. And we didn't and we, like we I have a, we had one tour manager then, uh Vince Casamata, fucking shout out to Vince because as a TM, you'll know like can you imagine wrangling five musicians who already don't really want to do anything, but then also different guitars, different amps, different keys, different stage every night by your fucking self? Dude, it's hurting cats. It's literally it hurting, hurting cats. It's tough. It's tough, man. I we think- yeah, we were tough. I think to me, like, it's, it's always an interesting point of view like that, like the differences in everybody's journey, because for me, I'm with people that I basically grew up with in this scenario, like same, same crew from tw- we started touring in 2015. This whole time has been the same people. Basically, there's been one or two switch ups, but like these are the motherfuckers in the industry that I grew up with. And it's it's so much fun to watch things progress. Like when you're going from playing in a fucking basement to playing a stadium or a festival or some shit like that. And you can look at your boys next to you and just be like, yo, remember that other shit? Remember we almost got beat up at that fucking college party with a uh, with a ladder because the cop showed up, dude. Like, Aaron, dude, Aaron and I have been doing so. Aaron and I didn't talk for a lot of years, and we got back. We've been homies now, but like almost all that we do is 
yo, you remember this time when fucking this happened? Or, yo, you remember that? And the last one was he texted me for my birthday last weekend. He was like, happy birthday, bro. And I was like, do you remember when like you just handed me like a wad of cash? It was like $437 in like tens, fives, and ones. And he goes, I don't know what to get you. So here he goes. He goes, I do it again in a heartbeat, bro. You're like all the stories, man. Dave, does this uh, does this like entice you or drive you away from wanting to be in the music industry? I mean, I, granted, it was Division Three baseball, but I mean, we would take a spring trip every year, and we wouldn't fly; we would drive. Mm. I mean, I've I've spent my fair share. I mean, we would go from Kentucky to Tennessee to uh, Mississippi, Atlanta, and then down to Florida, where we'd play for a weekend. We would just hit all the small schools on the way down to like the Orlando area. So, I mean, s- sleeping in, we were, we would take coach buses. Like I've slept in on the aisle, mm. those buses a hundred different times and it fucking blows. So no, it's not very enticing. Like, Did that thing just smell like grizzly wintergreen the whole way oh, down? Oh yeah. Hey, yeah. Think so our coach switched when I was a sophomore and he dipped his face off, but we, if we weren't allowed to get caught dipping with our, my first coach, which sucked because everybody dipped. So we'd be like fucking hiding it in the back of our mouths and and like I I would go and swallowing get like a, it yeah <laughs> a, 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 like a Dr Pepper or something and I would just dump half of it out and use that as a spitter because it like it blends in with the dark cola or dark pop or soda, um so that's what I do but yeah it fucking blows it sounds awful. here's a fuck here's a tour story relating to that I used to, I I would even go out in guitar tech for Eve six just because like you're like my buddy's like hey do you want to go to fucking Cuba and you're like okay sure. and I'll fucking guitar tech for him but anyway because we're all vapors right on the long flights Max and Sweepy the guitar player for Eve six they started dipping and they would fucking share a spatoon like a water bottle oh. spatoon at a Mott's and apple they, juice and bro, bottle and they would fucking filled. like hand it across the aisle to like yeah. the next person for all the people you're like bro you guys are so gross we had a Mott's gallon apple juice you. bottle for it and we would it was the community spitter and we filled oh, it to the brim and, and capped it shut and it just sat on a coffee oh. for like nine months the amount of fucks you don't give when you're on tour like look, oh, yeah. like you don't even think about it like you no, i, I come home and i'm like i have to act like a fucking human human you like, have to be a normal person right now i have to like i have to change i like take a have... nine hour shower when i get home from tour because i've never been clean before in my life and then Yo. i don't leave my couch for a week i've t- i've said this today before there is nothing like that like moment when you get home from tour and you have to reassimilate into the world and it's like you come home and your friends are like yeah hey, you want to go grab a beer i'm like i want to do shit leave me no, alone okay. i don't want to be- spend seven weeks in a bar fuck yeah. off <laughs> yeah i i, I literally do anything I just want to watch TV, man. I just want to. I remember the worst one for me, like the worst coming home. Uh, I split my face open and got a concussion because I sh- I basically pistol whipped myself in the face. Uh, I scoped myself with a gun in Georgia on a day off. It's if you look above my eye, I have a little scar. You got scoped, son. I never told this story on the podcast. Oh, uh, no, yeah, but I've I, seen people get scoped. So I've never I've never like. shot a gun before this, and I we had a day off in Warner Robins, Georgia, and. Uh, we were staying with a family member of one of the people in the band, and they were like, you guys want to shoot guns? And I was like three limeritas deep at like 9 a.m., and I was like, hell yeah, I want to shoot guns. So we're shooting guns, and I'm having a great time. They gave us a different gun than what we were shooting previously. The first gun was an AR-15. I had no kickback. Second one was a, a fucking hunting rifle, and I put the scope right to my eye. And I pulled the trigger, ripped a hole above my eye. Stitches, five hours. have an eye. Oh, 100%. Seriously, 100%. that's no joke. Well, so... I didn't, they didn't, 
first off, they gave me three stitches. It needed at least six. Like they, I looked like fucking Frankenstein. And uh, but they didn't they didn't diagnose me with a concussion. So we still had a week and a half left on tour. So every night I'm I'm drinking, I'm I'm staying up super late. Like I'm basically doing everything you're not supposed to do with a concussion. And I got home and I I was a mess. Like I was like literally like I just a blithering idiot. And Dana, my wife, then girlfriend was at work. She came home and I was on the couch in my underwear asleep. And she was like, Oh my god, you're home. How are you? And apparently I talked in my sleep like to her, just like nonsense for like 20 minutes. And she, I like came to and she was like, Are you on drugs? Did you do drugs? Like, what what is wrong with you? And I was like, I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. I went and I went to get the stitches out. I'm like, yeah, you have a concussion. Like, what the fuck? Like, tour is a messy thing. I don't don't shoot guns, is my is my other moral here. But uh well, that's don't do a lot of dude. things on tour. The, all, right, la, all right, last story because this one's getting this is getting long. But we used to we got big into when we did an amphitheater tour. We got big into skateboarding the amphitheaters after mm-hmm. the shows because there's a lot of ramps to take the gear in and out and like long runways and all that kind of shit. We were skating around and I was like skating and I was like getting barreled on a wall and a fucking rusty nail went through my the webbing on my fingers. I'm a fucking key player, right? Had to tape these two fingers fucking together with stitches. And I got the email like, don't fuck around, dude. No more skateboarding. Y'all can't fucking skateboard anymore because you're putting the show at risk. And this is hundreds of thousands of dollars being spent on this show, right? Skated every fucking night. As soon as the TM would come like around the corner, you hop off the board and you're like, "What's up, coach? What's up, yeah, man? Dude. Just hanging out. Anyway, I can skate some more, bro." Dude, like something <laughs> off of that topic. I had a crew guy one day, uh, basically a twin reverb case, like bot belly it and hit something and go forward and knock his front teeth out. On the way out to the trailer, we were almost done. Like we had like two cases left. The, the twin, the twin would go to the end, or just we'd strap it in right at the very end. Literally, like hit a rock, went right over the edge. Just both. Of his front teeth. <laughs> well, ladies and, and gentlemen, had, he had to go home. He had to leave tour. He's yeah. He had to have surgery on his face and leave. And like you lose your job, it sucks. Kenny Damn might not, it. but I'd go home. I'd lose my job. That's a morbid way to end this. But Rob, I, mean, I got I got chewed out a little bit. If you're the artist, you can you can break yourself yeah. a little. Yeah, all my friends just called me an asshole. They were just like, "You're a fucking moron." There was no sympathy. It was like, "Dude, what a fucking moron! You're at the hole in your face." And then, I, dude, the next night we were in Atlanta and I was singing, and uh, midway through the set, I just looked down at my white shirt and I had drips of blood all over it. it was, they were bleeding while I was playing. It's hardcore, bro. That's Metal good. as fuck. That's good. Well, Rob, thank you for coming on. Rob's going to come back on once a month, and he's actually going to start bringing other crew guys with him to give some similar stories. But we thought, you know, we have enough artists on here. Fuck that shit. Let's hear from the crew guys, and let's let's get the, the full the rounded picture. The unsung heroes of every concert you ever fucking go to. Mm-hmm. Rob, anything you, you want to say? No, I mean, I appreciate you guys. This has been fun. Let's, uh, let's, let's unbury some bodies. Yeah, <laughs> we'll thank see. you for all you've done for us at the... In the, you know, no, guys, it's, it's literally just it's sh- it's sh- shooting a text to friends that I've toured with. And I mean, it's up to them if they want to come on and shoot the shit. So you guys are doing your own legwork. Everybody in the music industry knows that everybody wants something. And I, I finally said to Rob one day, I was like, Rob, what do you want? Like, what's your end game here? And Rob was like, nothing. Fun I just want to make some cool shit. And I was like, no, nah, but seriously, what do you want? Like, what's the deal here? <laughs> like, we, where's we the paperwork, all, we bro? All, we're all we're all here to do a show. Like we said earlier, we don't we don't make a lot of money. This and then definitely when we started all this, we weren't making any money. Not even none of us got paid when we started doing the shit. And in the in the end of the day, the goal is to make a fucking show. So if I can't go out and make one, let's make one here. God damn it, I love you, Rob. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's this week's show. Next week, we have Isaiah Sharkey coming on. Amazing, amazing, amazing interview. Uh, We have Doug Ellen from Entourage coming up. We have Dispatch. We have a lot of guests coming up. 
things fucking making waves. And now we have Dave's guitar. Um, who knows where we go from there, but we have some news we might be able to share soon. Just buckle up. Some shit's happening. Uh, Kenny, anything else today? No, man. No, that's it. That's all all right, I got. Cool, man. Uh, Dave, anything else? No. Uh, let's keep the, keep the train rolling, right? Don't really got a choice, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, that's going to be everything this week. We'll see you guys next week. Fuck you guys. We love you.